My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it's the WNR 221, it's the WWE Network Review for May, but before we start anything, let's start with the alternate intro. If he doesn't stop trying to save your life, he's going to kill you. That's from J.K. Rowland, Harry Potter, and the Chamber of Secrets, but now the normal intro. Every month, we review the latest content on the WWE Network, including collections, new programs, and 205 Live. All the latest news, and we delve into NXT UK. Finally, the crown jewel of the WNR podcast, NXT Update. Well, there are no collections again, so start off with content. Well, we start with the standard stuff. WWE Ride Along, April the 29th. It's WrestleMania way, and that's Road Dog, X-Park, and Billy. And Beth Phoenix and Natalia with their journey. And it's always good to see the band back together. They spray-painted their vehicle before they left. They put Suck It and DX on it as they drove around. And then 10 minutes later, they wondered why they were getting so much attention. But like I said, it is good seeing the band backs together. Uh, X-Pac delights us with a mooning story which startled Terry Reynolds. So you've got to guess that would be uh, quite a, a shock to Terry considering what she's had in her career. And the backstage room with Vince at the Hall of Fame, Billy Gunn came in. Hey, Vince, Vince's like, eh, eh, eh. oh, no, they gave each other a nice big hug. So, you know, we know it's AEW and WWE, but, you know, Billy and Vince are still friends. Beth and that didn't really do much, but Beth spoke about the time Natalia got a front teeth knocked out in a match and carried on. Yeah, and I tell you, not many male wrestlers would, would carry on, let alone, you know, let's say female wrestlers. And that's what Beth Phoenix says. She is the toughest kind of wrestler that she knows. And then we move on to Table for Free, which was the 6th of May. Yes, that was Superstars Wives. We had Kim Orton, I'm jealous of her, Giovanna Angle and Rebby Hardy. Yeah, I mean, Orton saw her in a crowd and basically went up to her and said, what is your name? I need to know who you are. She had kids and she said they're actually bigger fans of John Cena. They cried when Randy Orton beat John. And she said, no, you, you know Randy. Go, no, we like Cena more, you know, so. Rebel Hardy is the coolest, though. You could see she kind of was that piece of who she was. And she talks about kind of living with Matt, you know, in, in the broken universe. And you can see the other two kind of looking at her and trying to get a little bit more, you know, stories from her because she was kind of, for me, she was the best one of it. They're kind of not as much in the picture as Rebby Hardy is. I mean, you know, she's she was quite a bit with Matt when he was in uh, TNA. And she's featured a bit, you know, even his sons have featured as well. Yeah, and I think this is the thing you can see that, you know, Angle and Orton met their husbands. You know, they weren't really sure about wrestling. Like I said, Rebel Hardy 
was a massive wrestling fan. I thought it's actually going to be a, a lot worse than this. And it wasn't. You know, they told about how they met their partners and, you know, kind of how they were. Uh, all around, he's kind of one of the nicest guys outside of the wrestling business, you know, which people don't really see a lot of that. Uh, and it was quite nice to see him talk and something a little bit different, you know, rather than the kind of standard stuff that we've seen. I wouldn't want to maybe, I kind of guess this is what Total Divas or something like that is like, but on a kind of lesser scale because obviously they're, they're wrestlers in that as opposed to these just being wives. So they might even start like kind of TV show following wrestlers' wives in that way. You know, you never know. The real wrestlers' wives. Of... <laughs> well, anyway, there are two new series added from YouTube. And the first one is My Son and Daughter is a WWE Superstar. The first one was February 16th in Balor. And his parents proudly tell personal stories about their son's sports entertainment journey from Ireland to Japan to WWE. Alexa Bliss was the next one, February 23rd. Alexa Bliss's parents reveal the emotional story of their daughter overcoming a deceiting, uh, uh, eating disorder and becoming WWE Women's Champion. See, Alexa Bliss's mum is actually smaller than she is, so I think Bliss is quite lucky she was five foot in that way. Seth Rollins, March 3rd, and it was uh, his mum recalling stories about his fearless childhood, his WrestleMania 31 surprise, and of course a lot more from that. Uh, March 9th was The Miz, the, uh, and he always stole the show in whatever he was doing. Hear personal stories from The Miz and his parents, reliving his journey to WWE. And, of course, we've seen The Miz's dad. Yeah, and we can confirm that is his real dad that got involved at WrestleMania as well. At Nia Jax, September 20th, and Nia Jax's mum and brothers recount the irresistible force journey from the basketball court to the Royal Women's Championship. And, of course, well, we know there are no highs and the kind of family tradition there. Uh, Kevin Owens, September 27th, and his parents revealed what he was like as a child and how they supported his wrestling dreams and obviously a load more going on there as well. Well, the Owens one caught me and it was really, really good stuff, not just because of the fact of a huskier wrestling, wherever it is, but just kind of like his childhood was basically the same as like mine or I'm sure yours as well, where you found wrestling. You found wrestling and it kind of overtook your life in that way. You know, it became everything in the Attitude Era. of, And that's what he's saying basically with people like Stone Cold Steve Austin or Chris Jericho when he first saw... I remember seeing WrestleMania 15 in that way and that kind of was like, this is what I want to be involved with as we go along. And, you know, Kevin Owens talks about his journey, uh, about how he made it. And his parents are very proud as well. And there's one funny moment where they've got a kind of little shrine. He's saying, look, this is my parents' house. It's not mine. And there's a toy uh, with like a Kevin Owens set with the table and the ring included, and, he, and he's saying like, well, hang on a minute, why am I going through the table? If, if this is my set, why am I wrestler on the front going through the table? Why can't there be anybody else? And I think that's an excellent point, and I think the Kevin Owens one, for me, was really enjoyable. Um, Braun Strowman, the next over the fourth, and his parents reveal what it was like to raise a future monster among men. Braun visits his old stomping grounds in his hometown, and doesn't he look like his dad just with grey hair? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's always nice to see him, you know? Uh, October 11th, starts with new mum opens up about overcoming the struggles of being a young mother and the thrill of seeing her t- son on TV. October 18th was Mandy Rose back at her tomboy days working at the family deli and loads more. And then Mandy reveals an embarrassing nickname. And then we've got Carmella, October 25th. And Carmella's parents look back at her father's time competing in WWE and raising a fabulous champion. So again, it's from YouTube and added. Uh, another series as well was... Uh, WWE formerly known as, which we started off on April 19th, Seth Rollins again. Follow Seth Rollins' journey as he relives his journey from competing in a pub under Tyler Black to becoming a WWE superstar. Of course, he was Ring of Honor champion. We all know about Seth Rollins. May the 3rd, 2018 was Matt Hardy, and he relives his earliest days in sports entertainment 
when he was competing in matches on trampolines using the name High Voltage. And then we've got Bailey, May 17th, in a revealing interview. Bailey recalls their journey from competing as Davana Rose on the independence to become the Huggable One in WWE. Harper was May 31st, and WWE superstar Harper recalls the experiences that transformed him from independent wrestler Brody Lee to a bludgeon brother in WWE. And it's weird we're going to see Harper being Brody Lee on the independent scene. Well, say 2020 once he gets his contract released. And finally, Ruby Wright, June 14th, for leading the Riot squad. W superstar Ruby Riot competed on the independent scene as Heidi Lovelace. And I think even reported her joining the WWE, and of course we've seen her before as Heidi Lovelace. But it does exactly what it says on the tin. If you want to spend 10, 15 minutes catching up with one of the wrestlers that you like, then by all means it's there now on the WWE Network as well as YouTube. All right, so classic content. More episodes of WWE Thunder are set to be added to the WWE Network. Yeah, the first set of shows were added a year ago with the first 77 episodes being uploaded. 20 more episodes were added in March, bringing the series through to January of 2000. So we'll see how many more they add. And of course, Hidden Gems as well on the WWE Network. And our first one was uh, Mid-South WrestleFest. 1985, July 28th, and Dusty Rhodes battles Nature Boy Ric Flair while Ted DiBiase faces Jake the Snake Roberts in this star-studded spectacle. We've got WWE Hidden Gems, Sarge's Hunt for Gold. Ric Flair battles Sergeant S. Laughter while the fabulous Freebirds face the Road Warriors and Paul Ellering from Pro Wrestling USA. The Battle with Brody, June 7th, 1981. There's no way out for the great Kabuki when he faces Bruiser Brody in a steel cage Texas deathmatch from Wrestling Star Wars. They don't make matches like that anymore. Uh, we've got Defying the Odds from November 17th, 1982. Andre the Giant teams with Hulk Hogan to face Bobby Heenan, Nick Bockwinkle, Ken Patera and Bobby Duncan in a handicap match. All right, so that's Hidden Gems, and now for two great additions to the network. The Andre the Giant HBO special, which made its debut last year, arrived to the network. The highly acclaimed documentary produced by HBO Sports, WWE, and the Bill Simmons Media Group chronicles the myth that was Andre the his rise in professional wrestling, being the leader in the locker room, and the pain he suffered throughout the years until his unfortunate eventual death. Vincent Mann, Hulk Hogan, Jim Ross, Ric Flair, Mean Gene Oakland, former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, actress Robin Wright and many others appear in a sit-down interview during the course of the documentary. When it originally aired in April of last year, the 90-minute broadcast attracted nearly 1 million viewers on HBO. It's a fantastic look known... It's a fantastic look at the man known as the eighth wonder of the world and highly recommended to those who are not overly familiar with the story behind the giant. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. I mean, you could make a complaint that there wasn't enough about the kind of, not the darkness or the tragedy of Andre the Giant. You know, they they do talk about his drinking, but they kind of romanticise it and didn't get up and then have, you know, eight bottles of wine and everything like this, you know. So there's a kind of thing, there was a thing about Andre a kind of that we didn't see in this. But again, what we did see, what I think was, was good enough, you know, we, we knew about his early days in France growing up and his brother told us about it moving on. And Hoke Hogan even is there. And he's quite a good storyteller, you know, speaking about WrestleMania 3 and not knowing what kind of finish Andre would have going with what Hogan wanted to do. Not liking Macho Man Randy Savage and kind of beating him up when he got in the ring together. I think we should have seen maybe a little bit more like that. My funniest, the funniest part for me was when they talk about Andre Giant being a, a ladies' man. 
And, you know, Hope Hogan said, well, you know, the ladies did like him. They asked Flair, and Flair says, well, he had a 24-inch ring. You know, he had 24 size feet. You work it out. What do you think they liked Andre the Giant for? It's basically because of his monster cock, I guess. So, you know, but it well, that was quite a lighthearted moment. And I think Andre the Giant is one of these guys who kind of transcends the game of professional wrestling. And as in, there's a great point in WrestleMania 3 where, you know, Andre the Giant was the biggest star in wrestling until he lost to the biggest star in wrestling, Hulk Hogan. And that's what he would then go on to become. So I think the Andre the Giant thing was brilliant. But that wasn't the only treat this month. No, the second treat is WWE's most infamous lost match. And we spoke about this last month, but just a quick catch-up. Yeah, one of the greatest mysteries in sports entertainment history has been found. In 1986, Bret the Hitman Hart faced Tom McGee in an untelevised tryout match in Rochester. After the bell sounded and McGee's hand was raised, he was labelled the next Hulk Hogan. But since the bout was untelevised, footage became lost over time. Until today. Well, this documentary feels like it's a really great addition to the network because it's telling you something that is interesting. And you, we talked about Tom McGee. This is a match that he had with Brett, and it just went missing. No one knew where it went. It was kind of, you know, urban legend around WWE. He joined WWE. He asked to see the video, and they didn't have it. And he thought, well, if WWE don't have it catalogued, then no one will. Brett had always said he had it in his records. And then one, and David Boy Smith Jr. was always asking, can I watch the match? He goes, yeah, I'll find it next time. They eventually, uh, a Bret Hart superfan found a tape. And, you know, it was like, oh, my God, this is the actual match. And no one believed her. And she was copying all the VHS to DVD to make it possible. And then she finally did. And Cassius Ono, who obviously we know for any, was a close friend. He was one of the first people to actually see the match because she had worked, you know, for the wrestling business for years. So when it finally came about, you know, the question is, we would see this match. But another question about this is what happened to Tom McGee? You know, we, we spoke about him and he was going to be the kind of next Hulk Hogan and no one had kind of seen him since then. And this documentary, again, lets us in on the fact of who Tom McGee is now, which is, I think, is brilliant, you know. That's what he used to look like, Tom McGee. And that's what he looks like now. I mean, has he changed much, Dan? You can see, like, he's uh, dressed in the Hogan colours. I mean, he had definitely had to look, you know, long curly hair, the big muscles and the you know, face as well. And, you know, so, and this Bret Hart at the time wasn't Bret Hart as we know now. He was just young up and coming. So they didn't know Bret from anybody else, really. So they tell him, they, uh, he said he didn't hear at the time that he was billed to be the next Hulk Hogan. Oh, Tom McGee, thanks, Bret, for having that great match for him. And it was, you know, Hample and literally thought there's the next star. And it wasn't until he had the matches with a couple of other guys he realised, well, hang on a minute, how come it wasn't McGee during the match? Like, just go with everything that I do. And I'll make you look like a star. And he did, and it worked you know, as well, which I think is great. And, and the whole kind of presentation of this, I think they should do more. There's a lot of kind of legends and a lot of rumours that you hear, you know, about wrestling or WWE, lost things. And to give you a chance to give it, you know, I think it's great. Plus, it celebrates the career of a guy who maybe only had a few matches in his life. And that's Tom McGee. <laughs> so that was a Holy Grail documentary. But now it's time for the match. So we go, this is the match then. We started it off, and you can tell it's a VHS, Rochester, New York, October 7th, 1983 in it as well. So it show, it's weird that it wasn't actually used for any release afterwards, but I guess WWE were just kind of really embarrassed that McGee was shit in the end. And he's got Brett, gets pushed away. Handspring backflip and a deep arm drag takedown. Goes into the armbar. Man for South Jimmy Hart was managing Brett Hart. Brett pushing it back in the corner, but this is wrestling kind of history, folklore. This has not been seen. If 
by anybody ever since it took place nearly 30, you know, for over 30 years ago now. And Brett's going to Irish rip. Big Tom. He springs out to the top rope, flips over Brett, and lovely standing drop kick. And Brett showing his frustration and going out of here, and Jimmy Hart saying, no, come on, you can get the fans getting on Brett's back as well. Well, Brett's come back in. It's taking control of this one now after the atomic drop. Now works the elbow on Tom McGee's head. And this is Brett Hart, of course, before the Hitman character as well, before he really came up with it. Just put with Jimmy Hart at the moment. No one really knew kind of how good Brett would become at this point, and it was all looking at Tom McGee. So this is the, probably the video that was supposed to make Tom McGee, but instead it kind of helped make Brett Hart. It was the kind of legend that it, what Brett could accomplish. And we'd seen it later on in his career as well. Most notably, SummerSlam Night Night 2 against British Bulldog, kind of carrying uh, Bulldog through the match. And, and that's the kind of talent that Brett had. That actually great wrestlers, of course, you know, people like Shawn Michaels and others, but could drag out great performances or, or his performance would be so good, it'd make the other wrestler look good. And there's not that many wrestlers that can do that now. It'll make your opponent look great and look, make yourself look good as well. And that's the kind of artistry that Bret Hart has. And, you know, when asked, you know, about Bret Hart, he's as good as he says he was, you know, and a lot of people say that as well. Now Bret's got Tom McGee Irish whip reversed and Bret goes chest first into the turnbuckle. Look, McGee looks so powerful, but of course, it was Bret Hart's selling power there. Who just collapses, one of his favourite moves. But McGee now in the ascendancy, has got Bret Hart. Trip back elbow. McGee looking to potentially finish this now. Ties him up to a small package. No, Bret with a kick out. Oh. We go for a roll up, but Bret grabs hold of that bottom rope to stop the count. It's intelligent by Brett to know where he is at all times. And now Irish rip to Brett. Goes for the drop kick, but Brett Hart holds onto that top rope. You can see that kind of cocky swagger with him as well now. And a little bit of attitude coming through. Thinks he's got maybe Tom McGee's number in this match. Throws him to the outside. That's the thing with Brett, though. He did play a really good face and a really good heel. No, Brett's trying to suplex Tom McGee in, but he's fighting it. Does get him over. Rolls through the back. Goes for the cover two. Three. And gets Bret Hart. Beats him. And Tom McGee wins there. But Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Um, yeah, you know, it's just a good way of... It's something that was supposed to put McGee over. And, you know, a few people obviously did think he was good from that video. But Bret was the one that made him look that good. But so, I think... you know, it's more credit to Bret. But Tom McGee, I think, you know, with a bit more work, he could. If you look at that match just as a one-off, you won't be able to tell him. You, if you're going to say, you know, you love saying on there uh, who would be a future WWE champion looking at this video. And I think with this one here, you would have to say that Tom McGee probably have a more yeah. chance at the two just based on his look, you know, as well. So I think that's an important thing to see. And especially when it's kind of in a time capsule like it was, what we knew Bret Hart would become. Again, it adds to Bret Hart's legend as well. But all the highlights in this is all about McGee, you know. And Brett was happy to put him over as well because it made him look good. Like, it didn't affect Brett Hart's career losing this match, no, did it? No, you no, know? No. So I think it's a really important moment in kind of wrestling history and I'm really happy it's on the network and, as well. You know, again, with McGee, he was full of athletic ability. Yeah. So that is it for the new content this month. And we move on to network news. 
And an email was sent out to all the network subscribers, and it said, Our goal is to always provide you with appearance on the WWE Network. Unfortunately, several device manufacturers have stopped updating the operating system of older products, which may impact your ability to stream high-quality video. As such, the W Network app will no longer be available on the devices listed below starting May 21st. That's Amazon Fire tablets. Apple TV, third generation and earlier models. LG 2016 and earlier models. PlayStation 3. Samsung 2016 and earlier models. Samsung and Sony Blu-ray players. Sony non-Android TVs. Windows 10 desktop. Xbox 360. And, you know, you talk about the stuff being taken off. Now, I don't normally moan about the network here, but I use the PS3 to watch the network sometimes. I've got Sony TVs where we put the internet through to get it. And now it's going to be null and void because you can't use these devices, you know. And don't get me wrong, I understand W saying this, but, again, not only people can afford that new technology to kind of watch it. I know you can still watch it, you know, there's still plenty of places to watch it, but I still get annoyed by it. Well, I only bought a PS3 literally so I can watch the network, Amazon, Netflix game. So it kind of didn't justify me going out and getting a PS4, but now I might have to. But then again, I don't normally watch it on telly anyway. I normally just watch it on a tablet to fall asleep to. Yeah, but I think they realise the problem with telly, and now if it just is, it's on your tablet, it hasn't got the kind of same immersive experience, you know. Uh, like I said, they, they still are supported on PC or Mac. Uh, and other supported browsers are mobile devices. Android and iOS. Connected devices. Like Amazon Fire TV. Android TV. Uh, Apple TV 4th generation and up. Chromecast. Roku. Sony PS4. TiVo Series 6. Xbox One. And your supported smart TVs are the LG TV 2017 models and up. Panasonic Life Plus screen smart TVs. Samsung Smart TV 2017 models and up. Sony TV Android TVs only. So, I mean, that takes away a lot when you consider like the new TVs only a couple of years. I mean, how many people buy kind of new TVs now as well? And, you know, there are a lot of money, so... It's kind of annoying in a weird way, but, you know, at least they sent us the email as opposed to just kind of you know, stopping it. it. At least we know, you know, got an idea now. But, again, it is a, a bit of an annoyance. But, anyway, that is the network news. We move on now to 205 Live, and it's episode 127, April 30th. In the opening video, Tony Nese talked about fighting to build 205 Live since being in the very first match on the first episode of the show. Nese said he takes pride in testing himself against the best and isn't going to change because he's a cruiserweight champion. This is his show, and if Drew Gulak wants to sub up tonight, he better bring his very best. Well, Gulak said his plans for 205 Live haven't gone perfectly, but all it takes is one opportunity to change your fortune. Gulak said he dominated Nice in their matches, with one exception being when Nice beat him in a number one contendership tournament. Gulak called that exception an outlier. Well, David Atunga was on commentary with Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Aidan English. 
giving a show with three matches at most for commentators. Well, our first match is Grand Metallic and Lynn Dorado. And they came out to face this Bollywood boys get up. The dancing and tail outfits made this either better than it was or much worse. Hearing them bring about facing world champions is hilarious. Well, the Sings said they're back to take the division into the future and bragged about their being undefeated on 205 Live. English said they did win their first match on 205 Live. The Luch House Party defeated the Sing Brothers. The Sings landed a double super kick on Dorado. Metallic hit a springboard elbow and then Dorado hit the shooting star press to win it. Well, Drake Maverick told Humberto Carrillo to avoid Drew Gulak. Jack Gallagher then came into the room and said that he, is, he isn't medically cleared now, but will be in two weeks when they're in England. Gallagher said he has no ill will towards Carrillo, but he would respectfully like a match. Well, Brian Kendrick entered for a squash, but was destroyed by Mike Kellis on the stage. Akira Tazar made a save for Kendrick with Maverick and referees having to break things up. Aria Davari cut a promo about beating everyone in his path and getting hit. And it's going to be Tazar versus Kellis in an ODQ match next week. And cruiserweight champion Tony Nice defeated Drew Gulak in a non-title match. Yeah, they started off with fast mat work with a lot of work on Nice's arms from Gulak. Well, Gulak got the Gulak on. Nice countered him, hit a German suplex into the corner and wanted the running knees. But Gulak hit a lariat. Nice went for an Amari driver that got turned into a sunset flip by Gulak. Knees kicked out. Uh-huh. Hit another German in running knees. Yeah, not a bad match between the two, and Knees probably the right man to win. We run to episode 128, and it's May 7th. Today's opening promo, no one cares about because it's Mike and Maria Canellis talking about how Akira Tozawa has no chance. And Brian Kendrick and Tozawa get a counterpoint where Kendrick says it's simple Mike is screwed, and he's a twat. First match, Davari over Nyam Dahl with the Pepsi twist. Yes, post-match, Tony Nice got up from Cobbery and gets the jump on Davari, but doesn't attack. <clears throat> he just wants Aria to know that he could attack at any time. Only Lorcan gets a locker room promo where he says he's dealt with adversity throughout his career and he knows that nothing comes easy. When his next opportunity comes, nothing will stop him from becoming WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Yes, and the Singh brothers defeated David Kaufman and Kevin Lee by pinfall with a Demolition decapitation. Post match, the Sings cut a promo about the return to 205 Live and how the Lucha House Party snuck up on them, but they won a rematch. Mike and Maria Canellis run into Drake Maverick backstage and thank him for banning Kendrick from ringside. They say he's glad they're on the same page, but stops Maria when they leave and informs her that she is also banned from ringside. Jack Gallagher has been interviewed backstage how he's stoked that he's to be cleared and rested on next week's show in a four way with Mark Andrews, James Drake, and Alberto Carrillo. Alberta rolls up and says he's looking forward to finishing what they started in London. Jack accepts his handshake and says... Akira Tozawa beat Mike Kanellis by pinfall with a dive-in senton and a bit of help for some chairs in a no-disqualification match. Maria comes and gets her husband and Kedrick comes down to celebrate with his pal. And our last episode is episode 129, May 14th. And of course, this is in London, England. Yes, it is. And... Uh... We was live for this, James. We were there. We were live. Well, Drake Maverick takes a show opening promo duties back up, uh, back over and hypes up our card for tonight's show. Yeah, so we were there watching it and we saw Humberto Carrillo beating Jack Gallagher, James Drake and Mark Andrews with a side folding press on Gallagher. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? That was a very good match, actually. Um, all four guys, certainly very talented. Humberto Carrillo, I think he's... Definitely going to be one to watch for the very near future. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that it's Humberto beating Jack, but I think there's a little bit of a story there 
going along with it because you would have thought Jackie Boy would have got the victory, you know, in his home country. But post-match, big hands, so I guess no hard feelings then. Yes, and Aria Davari gets a promo from inside a tanning bed where he says Tony Nice is running himself ragged while he's here getting a tan and massages and coming into their match nice and fresh. Well, Nice is interviewed backstage and he says the smart thing isn't always the right thing and he could have taken it easy, but the WWE Universe is small for its cruiserweight champion. And as champion, he's proud to carry on the tradition of the stars of 205 Live, wrestling stars of NXT UK and face off against El Leguero tonight. Leguero, we get a vignette introducing him for those of you who aren't familiar with the hardest working man in UK. Seriously, go look at his match titles by year on cage match. The dude never slows down. Mm-hmm. True that. Lucha House Party get a hand cam promo in front of somebody's music collection and they accept the Singh Brothers challenges for next week. So on to the main event, it is Tony Nice versus El Ligero. Well, the Premier Athlete did his best to prevent Ligero from taking to the skies and relied on body scissors to keep his opponent grounded. Finally breaking free, Ligero unleashed a series of quick kicks and chops that drove the champion to the mat for a near fall. Ligero forced the Premier Athlete to the outside and launched into the air to flatten the champion. Following another exchange of strikes in the centre of the ring, Ligero prepared to put the champion away. But Nice caught him and rolled his opponent into a pin. Although Liguero tried to reverse it, Nice has his own counter ready. Lifting up Liguero and powerbombing him into the corner before quickly executing the running knees for the win. After the match, Nice showed his respect for Liguero before a rear Davari attacked. The Persian Lion pulled Liguero out of the ring and threw him into the steel steps before dismantling the title holder. After mauling Nice and leaving him motionless in the centre of the ring, Davari stood over him holding the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, sending a clear message for their title fight at Money in the Bank. So, 205 Live wasn't too bad this month. I mean, we had a couple of good matches, but it doesn't really, it's not setting the world on fire. I don't know what it is. It's just, there's nothing that's really kind of grabbing my attention yet. There's not anything, I don't, you know, I like well, Tazara. It's not just but... nothing, but there's, there's also no one. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's kind of no one there to kind of really be like the, 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 the I know Nice is trying to be the face of 205 Live, but don't get me wrong, I like Tazara, but him and Ken Ellis in a match doesn't really grab me. I like the Singh brothers, but Luch House Party and that just seems a bit old hat at the moment. And, you know, I know the NXT UK guys coming in and stuff at the moment, but Davari and Nice, does that really excite you as a Cruiserweight I match? Know, I, I kind of miss Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Rally. I mean, they kind of pushed the brand and they held it as well didn't they you know they were they was i don't know they were just they, kind they, of running they, were the known, they were known as the heart and soul weren't yeah. they of 205 live and i think like i said that is a little bit missing now try and build it and with of course like a baby face champion it's a little bit different because now you have to build up hills as challenges as opposed to kind of the other way around 205 live been doing it for a long time and davari needs some kickoff it's one of these matches that i'm pretty sure i know how it's going to go and i'm gonna I'm have a go at it but could be a chance of that money in the bank kickoff considering it's leather matches that could be one i could easily skip you know yeah, and yeah. i feel that's a problem with 205 live at the moment when we've got nxt uk and nxt and raw and smackdown coming to you know england as well that is kind of put on the back burner at the moment but anyway we move on and it's news news and is there life on lars well tons of old posts from bodybuilding.com forum to haunt Lars Sullivan after a Reddit user exposed several racist and homophobic posts by Sullivan dating back to 2012. Yeah, the post, all of which are still available, cover a lot of controversial co- topics and talk against African Americans, people from the Middle East, Israel, W's work with Susan G. Coleman Foundation, people with mental disabilities and anxieties, gay and the grey area of rape. So there's not much that they didn't cover. No. 
Well, the posts have been confirmed to be from Sullivan using the new name, Disenfranchised. And Sullivan even posts his own photos in some of the comments. Yeah, and these are damning posts that can only lead to the dismissal of Lars from WWE. A user on Twitter asked Big E if he read the post, and Big E, who is currently injured, replied, Many are aware, if true, he has to bear the albatross of being a bigot and working in a company that is now filled with minorities. Well, Lars Sullivan is yet again a very popular topic of conversation in the IWC for the wrong reasons. He was fined $100,000 after sponsors complained about the message board comments he made years ago. Those comments took place when Sullivan was between the ages of 18 and 25 years old. Yeah, well, it was only five years ago, isn't it, you know? Well, now the 30-year-old superstar has a huge fine to pay because of his days as an internet troll. Dave Meltzer discussed this fine and how huge it was. To his knowledge, Sullivan is now tied for the second largest fine in WWE history. Well, I know some people thought that stuff was real. The fine's real. Sorry, I know some people thought that stuff was not real. I mean, they publicly announced the number. They never done that before. I mean, there'd been guys to get fined. Steve Austin got fined two hundred, uh, quarter of a million dollars, if you remember, for walking out in two thousand two. And Batista got fined a hundred thousand dollars for blading when he wasn't supposed to against a ca- uh, in a cage match against Jericho, I think, two thousand eight. And those are two biggest fines I've ever heard. There might be others, but these are the two that we've heard. So this will be tied for the second biggest fine in the history of the company, as far as we're aware. Yeah, long-term WWE star Titus O'Neil mentioned in a recent post on his official Twitter account that Sullivan apologised to the WWE roster. Yes, he put, at Lars SWWE, I applaud you for seeking out myself and others on the WWE roster to not only sincerely apologise, but also seek guidance as to how to move forward in being a better human being. So that's a nice tweet by Titus saying that Vince McMahon did think about it. Now, can Lars Sullivan recover from this? Well, I think he can. You know, they put up a promo video when we was watching it live in London, you know, just to kind of get, put the feelers out. But, you know, who, I know know Lars Sullivan shouldn't have been saying, you know, all these slurs about pretty much every topic you can kind of slur against. But, you know, who's gone back to 2012 forums? You know, just sit there scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and go, oh, look, that's Lars Sullivan. I remember that because he posted... Yeah, I know, but again, it's only five years ago's most latest comments. So, it's yeah. you know, you've got to be held accountable for what you do and what you say sometimes, especially when you're in the limelight of a WWE superstar. And if you are saying these things online, then irrespective of it is, you know, 10, 15 years, you've got to be held accountable for why you said it. You can't just behind, hide behind, you know, a picture or a character and say... This this is something that I said, but it doesn't matter now because it was a long time ago. Yeah, we've seen it a lot recently with people, most likely I think James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, posts he made on Twitter, Disney kind of fired him, now he's brought back into the fold. I think if as long as you d- deal with it with dignity, he's been fined, he's spoken to the roster, he's, he's apologised for everything he's done, then I feel that WWE maybe can move on. What reaction he gets from the WWE Universe and the roster after this is is down to him to sit, like he said to to set an example now and show in the next fifteen years that he's not that same person that made the mistakes before. You know, can he recover from this? I feel if WWE, it's his booking that's going to affect him more than anything else. I think as an effective monster, I think Lars Sullivan has a future in WWE. But like I said, as opposed to what the, the WWE roster say and how the universe reacts to it, I think will be very, very interesting. But I, I think they're still going to give Lars a chance, you know. Well, James, now for something very different. Uh, it looks like Biggie was serious on Twitter about meeting Becky Lynch's mum. 
Well, it all started when he responded to a tweet from Lynch that included a photo of Mama Lynch. Becky let E know that she's mad, but it hasn't stopped him from the pursuit. Well, yes, Big E replying to Becky Lynch, I would take my jacket to a puddle so Mama Lynch could walk across it. Snatch that, I'd lay my whole body in a puddle so Mama Lynch could walk across me. Well, Becky Lynch replied, E, she's married. She said to message her burner <laughs> phone later. Well, then, let... <laughs> she already met you, wasn't impressed. But he wasn't finished there. No. He said, Mama Lynch is hella foxy. I would pay a small fortune for a photo shoot featuring Mama Lynch in sundress. I would learn to become a cycling class instructor in Mama Lynch free classes in hopes of seeing her post-workout glisten. But then Becky Lynch said, uh, if you just, <laughs> she said, if you should just install the pedals on you, she's willing to risk it all. Biggie responded with, oh, she trying to ride? Well, Becky said, I'm just telling you, I better not end up Becky Langston out of all this. Well, Biggie took things a step further on Cyrus's XM's bust open, busted open radio. Yeah, he said he's been tweeting back and forth and she's very clearly approves of me <laughs> like, and us possibly getting together. She's even made reference to me possibly being her new stepfather. Well, Biggie joked that Lynch is a grown woman, so he would not have to pay to support her. He added, I don't know exactly all of her likes and needs and turn-ons and turn-offs, but I'm going to get to the very bottom of all that. But that wasn't all. He continued, I got you running through my mind every day like you're on a treadmill. Just running and girl, you don't quit. I got a lot of time these days, a lot of free time. You're all I think about. You're all I tweet about. Mama Lynch, I'm coming. Don't you worry, Mama Lynch. I'll be there real quick. I mean, it is just awesome stuff from Big E, who is my favourite. If you're going to follow anybody on Twitter, Big E is the guy to follow on Twitter. He is hilarious. I like him more and more every day. And just in all the kind of, like, you know, whenever there's a problem, just go on Twitter, see Big E trying to date Becky Becky Lynch's mum. It is fucking fantastic. Well, there's someone who wants to stay in WWE and PW Insider reporting that Mauro Ronaldo has signed a new deal with WWE and that will soon remain the lead NXT commentator. Why are you saying that with such a smile on your face? Ronaldo joined WWE in December 2015 as the lead SmackDown commentator but only lasted just over a year, quitting in March 2017. It was ruled that depression led to his departures but rumours started popping online that he was also being bullied by fellow SmackDown commentator JBL and Vince McDan. Well, in June of the same year, two months before his WWE deal was coming to a close, Ronaldo made a surprise return as a lead commentator for NXT. His work since then has been exclusively to WWE's third brand, and Ronaldo has called some of the greatest moments in NXT history. Well, his new deal will still allow him to do commentary from MMA and boxing and other networks such as Showtime. And speaking of Showtime, actually, Bellator, weirdly enough, MMA group, we don't really talk about it, obviously, because we're wrestling. But Jack Swagger was on there. It's on Sky Sports now. And uh, I saw him fight last weekend, which he won. And there's been rumours that Jack Gallagher might be going to Bellator as well to fight because he's actually 2-0 in amateur uh, fighting. So he, he knows what he's doing, and there's talk that he could go. Uh, and you talk about that's on you know Sky Sports now, but talk about changing channels as well. Yes, BT Sport. WWE would have a new broadcast home in the UK as BT Sport will be announcing plans that they have acquired the rights to the company's broadcasting rights in the United Kingdom. Yeah. According to a report by The Telegraph, BT Sport will take over broadcasting W programming. It has been an exclusive partner with the wrestling promotion for nearly three decades. Guy's current five-year deal with WWE was signed in 2014 and BT Sport is expected to take over broadcasting soon, but an exact date has not been given. 
Well, Sky Sports currently airs WWE Raw and WWE SmackDown, as well as pay-per-view events on Sky Sports box office. BT Sport declined to issue a statement to the Telegraph on the move. I was shocked by this because, like I said, Sky has been involved with WWE for so long, you know, and to to think to themselves, oh no, we we're, we're gonna, you know, either BT had got more, and that's why WWE had done it, or Sky are not fighting this, and I'm pretty shocked, you know. I think Sky and WWE kind of went hand in hand, and to go to BT now. I don't. I'm not really sure. You know what's going to go on. It's, maybe some wrestling fans are going to cancel their Sky subscription because that's why they were watching Raw and SmackDown. What are your thoughts on it, Dan? Don't have BT Sport. Uh, you know, if any matches are on BT, I'll just come around here and watch them. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm going to be coming around here to watch Raw and SmackDown, which I don't watch anyway. Yeah. So it's not really going to affect me too much. Well, it's going to affect me a little bit because that's, that's some. That's how I used to catch up with Raws and Smackdowns. But I have got BT as well, so. It might be a case of, you know, might looking to change Sky. Obviously, I'm not buying the box office, you know, events. That's just stupid uh, because you've got the network for nine ninety nine a month as opposed to paying, you know, 25 quid at a time. Or even, you know, talk about a double or nothing, AEW's next pay for you. They're charging $50 for that. So you think about, you know, how people, they're, 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 looks like AEW are going to focus more on pay-per-views and te- uh, television revenue. So they're hoping people pay $50. As for television revenue, well, we've just heard something as well, haven't we? Yes, just hours before Wednesday's upfront for Warner Media, the billionaire-backed pro wrestling upstar AEW issued a press release to announce a television deal with TNT. Or Perla Press release later this year, Warner Media provided exclusive multi-platform access for fans to watch AEW events airing live weekly matches on TNT in prime time, as well as streaming them through Warner Media's BR Live and on pay-per-view. A leading digital sports enterprise, BR Live's high fan engagement will provide an invaluable opportunity to build AEW's audience. The release went on to note that Warner Media's BR Live will serve as the exclusive digital streaming partner in the United States for the upcoming Double or Nothing pay-per-view on May 25th. The report did not specify a launch date for AEW's weekly television series, though it's expected to premiere sometime this fall with uh, the AEW logo. And like I said, it has been you know that long since 2001. You know we haven't had another wrestling company, and it's weird that it's gone to TNT as well. But we've got more information anyway. Yes, in a sit-down interview with a station published today, the Upstart Promotions owner revealed this is just the start of their relationship in the country and that he is hoping to promote pay-per-views from British soil down the line. Carl mused that there's a lot of ways we can take this partnership and that a major event, major in the UK, taking advantage of the proven live audience will make all kinds of sense. According to the AEW bosses, the issue of beaming back to the US wouldn't be an issue as he reckons an 8pm UK start time on a Saturday translating to an afternoon show back in the States would be embraced. The entrepreneur speculated the shows could take place in one of several major London venues. Major London venues. And that would be a great way to build a following in the country. Well, fans have been clamouring for WWE to put on another major event, major event, in the UK for years. The last canonically significant pay-per-view on the Isles coming some 27 years ago when Wembley Stadium hosted SummerSlam 92 before mammoth attendance. Clearly, Khan is aiming to statite the obvious demand. Elsewhere in an interview, Khan said that many st- there will be still... Su- Elsewhere in an interview, Khan said there may yet still be surprises in store for Double or Nothing in the next week before the show. Like it, but promised AEW would be constantly providing people with new reasons to buy the pay-per-view before 25th of May. 
Again, I'm still not that excited about Double or Nothing. You know, I've seen the card and, you know, Pack versus Hangman Page and, of course, Cody Dustin and the Unbucks against the Lucha Bros. Uh, but, you know, oh, the main event, Jericho and Omega. But I will say this. If, if Tony Khan or anybody from AEW is listening and they want to pay us money to switch allegiances to start an AEW podcast, then I'm all in. And if anyone from WWE is listening, he didn't mean that. <laughs> wink, wink. We'll, we'll, I'll more than happily switch stations, mate. You know, we'll we, or we'll stay for money. You know, whoever... If if we if we give WWE our contracts, then they promise to double it. Yeah, they did, they did. So you know, there is always a chance there. But I'm just saying. But anyway, a bit more news, and it's health scare Flair. Yeah, W Hall of Famer Ric Flair reportedly went to Atlanta area hospital Thursday morning. The TMZ Sports characterised Flair's situation situation as very serious and a medical emergency. Although specifics regarding his condition were not immediately available. Well, according to Sean Ross Sapp, Comrade Thompson said that Flair's situation, situation is not as grave or serious as TMZ's report suggests. Thompson said Flair underwent a planned procedure that he wanted to get done before his roast. Well, the Nature Boy recounted an Instagram post in August that he was given only a 20% chance to live when hospitalised in 2017. But Flair celebrated his 70th birthday in style in February at a surprise party in Atlanta that was attended by a cavalcade of wrestling and sports stars, including Triple H, Shane McMahon, Todd Gurley, Charles Barkley and Dennis Rodman. Well, up next, it's not all about the game. No, and WWE boss Vince McMahon has reportedly had a backstage falling out with Triple H as a former wrestler is frustrated. Well, Man 73 is still the final authority on everything that goes on in WWE and is, presented at every sing- is present at every single Raw and SmackDown. WWE fans have been exe- expecting his son-in-law Triple H to take to be the one to take over the company with his wife Stephanie. But Wrestling Insider himself however claimed that the game is the most frustrated person backstage every night. Triple H has publicly praised McMahon's direction for the company, but there have been murmurings of friction between the two. Rumours have surfaced once again after a source allegedly linked to the WWE writing team called into the post-pro wrestling show hosted by Wade Keller. The most frustrated person in the back every single night is Triple H. The source said no one could rip on WWE Creative. They have some of the most brilliant, unbelievably cool ideas that I've ever heard. We're writing for an audience of one and never forget that. And if not, you're out of here. The most frustrated person in the back is Triple H. He'll always take, especially the NXT guys, under his wing. It looks like he's consoling them. It looks so much like he was the most frustrated person in the building every single night. It is alleged the caller is a close friend of three WWE writers and they have been drinking and venting about McMahon. It's also a claim that McMahon doesn't watch NXT. Alleging the boss doesn't follow the real world and said there was no chance of Vince stepping down. NXT, car, NXT stars are often called up to the main roster but many standouts of the black and yellow brand tipped for greatness end up floundering on Raw and SmackDown. Well, the claims come after fans levied criticism of WWE following the Superstar Shake-Up, which was supposed to reorganise wrestlers onto Raw and SmackDown. Only much of this was undone when McMahon announced a wildcard rule on TV following the following week, rendering much of the previous programming completely pointless. Mm. So it would be interesting to keep a, a look at that, and you know, we'll still see what Triple H, you know, does it would be hilarious if he decides to go to AEW, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? That would just be it would never happen. But just imagine 
the internet going mental for that. What, that pissant company? Yeah, that little pissant company going there. Well, we go on to Arrivals. DJZ Michael Paris reports to WWE Performance Center. One of the world's top high-flying superstars has come to the WWE Performance Center. Well, a professional grappler for nearly 15 years, Paris specializes in dynamic top-rope offense and may put many competitors 450 splash and a 630 splash. He has experienced wrestling internationally, including in Mexico, Japan, and the United Kingdom. Paris has also captured dozens of championships on his journey to WWE, such as the International Wrestling Cartel Super Indie Championship, a title formerly held by the likes of AJ Styles, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, and Corey Graves. Well, Paris's signing comes on the heels of several other high-profile acquisitions. In January, the WWE Performance Centre welcomed a class of 12 athletes, while international wrestler Shane Strickland and Humberto Garza all reported for training last month. And we move on. Well, departures. Leo Rush is currently not on the European tour. No decision has been made on what to do with him, but it has been talk of sending him back to NXT. Well, on a recent audio show, Mike Johnson noted that Rush's recent comments about his pay got a lot of people upset with him. Rush talked about being broke, and this was despite him turning down a $300,000 a year offer to stay with WWE. The stories that he wanted... Johnson says there's a lot of people in the company who are very upset with him about the claim he wasn't making a liberal wage. We heard from a number of wrestlers that if he wasn't making a liberal wage, he was able to bring his wife from on the road every weekend. And why was he flying in first class with his wife as often as he was? Well, Johnson added there was a number of times wrestlers saw him or passed him in first class or sat with him in first class or passed him by to go to coach. So there were some people who were not happy with him. Well, Rush was almost released in late 2017 for joking about Emma. Or Tenil Dash was released from the company. Some feel like he would have been fired if he had not apologised so quickly. There have been plenty of stories from people in the company about Rush rubbing people the wrong way. Rush calls it confidence, but people think people around him feel like he borders on arrogance. Yes, and Rush has been asking for a bigger push and told people that he sees himself as a top babyface star. So what would you do with Leo Rush now? See you later, mate. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, son. Well, we move on to injuries. Yes, and NXT superstar Dominic Djakovic announced Wednesday that he underwent surgery to report a torn meniscus. He called the injury a gift that represents sacrifice in a video posted on Twitter. Well, a 32-year-old Massachusetts native made a name for himself on the independent scene headlined by a three-year stay with Ring of Honor where he worked as Donovan Dijak. He joined WWE's developmental brand NXT after signing with the company in September 2017. And while he's mostly been used in minor feuds since his debut, it appeared he was gearing up for a most notable storyline to date by challenging Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship. He didn't provide a timetable for his return from his knee injury, but said in a Twitter video he'll continue the pursuit of the North American belt once he's back in the ring. And next is Not Miss Bliss. Yes, WWE announced that the beautiful Alexa Bliss has been removed from the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match scheduled for Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. As part of the announcement, WWE noted that Bliss is not medically cleared to compete and it added Nikki Cross to the match as well. So at least we get to see uh, another talented performer take a place. Well, Bliss missed nearly five months of in-ring action from 2018 to early 2019 after reportedly suffering multiple concussions. Well, the 27-year-old wrestled sparring this year with just two televised matches in January and two in April. She did not compete at WrestleMania 35, instead serving as the host of the event. She has primarily hosted a Moment of Bliss talk show segments on Raw this year, but she announced several weeks ago that she will represent Raw in the Money in the Bank ladder match. 
Bliss won the match last year and successfully cashed in on Nia Jax the same night. Well, that's the last wrestle of the televised match in the April 29th episode of Raw, and a comedic match that saw her lose to Naomi when her shoes kept come untied. Nice shoes. Well, Bliss was supposed to face Naomi, Natalia, and Dana Brooke in a fatal four-way match on Monday's episode of Raw that we went and saw, but she says she did she didn't have her gear since her luggage was lost. Nikki Cross agreed to take Alexa's place, and she went on to win the arena. So he could look for Alexa Bliss's missing luggage because he heard there was soiled panties in there. Mm. We'll move on to deaths. <coughs> let's uh, let's calm down a little bit now and uh, talk about the passing away of Silver King. Cesar Kautahomic Gonzalez Baron, who's most remembered for his run in WCW as Silver King, passed away Saturday as WWE announced. Yeah, WWE saddened to learn that Lucha Libre legend and former WCW star Silver King has passed away at the age of 51. Champion Luchador in his native Mexico, Silver King, entertained audiences across the globe and was a standout in WCW's cruiserweight division in the late 90s. Outside the ring, he appeared under a mask as the villainous Ramses in the popular 2006 comedy, Nacho Libre. WWE extends its deepest condolences to Silver King's family, friends and fans. According to the Camden News Journal, Silver King was competing in a Lucha Libre world match when he collapsed in the ring and suffered a cardiac arrest. Sean Waltman, it was a great honour to have been friends and shared the ring with the great Silver King. He and Tijano were an amazing team. He truly was one of the greats and I'm heartbroken to learn of his passing. Chris Jericho says, sorry to hear about the passing of Silver King. Had so many great matches with him when I worked at CMLL in the early 90s. And more importantly, he always made me. Silver King first game wild claim with work in Mexican promotion. Consider Mandela de Lucha Libre with the company. He made his WCW debut in 97 as it assembled a roster of the best in-ring technicians throughout the world. While not one of the biggest stars of the division, Silver King was amongst the cruiserweights who helped WCW differentiate itself from the WWF. Yeah, in addition to his work inside the ring, Silver King had a role in the 2006 film Nacho Libre. The character Ramses was one of the main antagonists for star Jack Black, who also tweeted that he lost a brother today, which is very, very sad. Superstar Ashley Mazzaro, who later competed on Survivor, has died. TMC has learned she was only 39. Well, officials tell us Mazzaro was transported from her home in Suffolk County, New York, to a nearby hospital where she died early Thursday morning. They would not reveal the cause of death at this point, but we're told it's been classified as non-criminal. Mazzaro famously won the WWE's 2005 Raw Diva Search, which included a Quarter of a million dollar one year contract. She went on to cover with tag team champions Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Her most high profile matches including the WWE Women's Championship against Molina at WrestleMania 23 in 2007 and a Playboy Bunny Mania Lumberjill match at WrestleMania 24 the following year. Uh, no, you just done that. Mizarro played on Survivor China in 2007 but she was voted off the second episode of that series. She also appeared on the April 2007 cover of Playboy magazine, which she revealed on an episode of... She later cut ties with W in 2008, and she later returned to a stint with a less-known pro wrestling company in 2017. Yes, and uh, the WWE statement was, we are saddened to learn the tragic death of former WWE superstar Ashley Mazzaro. She performed in WWE for 2005-2008 and was beloved by fellow superstars and fans all around the world. WWE offers her condolences to Ashley's family and friends. Yes, and WWE stars from all generations have reached out to share their heartbreaking feelings on Mazzaro's death with Tory Wilson saying, I can't even begin to explain how devastated I am 
to hear about Ashley Mazzaro. Legit, one of the sweetest people I've ever known. Melina Perez had I'm gutted by the news of Ashley's past and my brain doesn't want to believe it. How can this be real? It's difficult and awful not to take in. Well, Trish Stratter said, who says she was Ashley's first ever suplex in the ring? I'm having a hard time processing this news of my friend, a fellow worker, a fellow mum. I'm both sad and mad. Rest in peace, baby girl. Team. Well, the Bella Twins, Nikki and Brie wrote on their Twitter page, we are so silent to hear the news of Ashley Mazzaro. Such a tender heart and sweet soul will also be remembered for that. Our thoughts and prayers will be with her family. R.I.P. Ashley. And even legendary wrestler Mick Foley offered his condolences, saying she lived in the same town as me. I love seeing her around. She was always so nice, and now she's gone. A ton of other stars, including Rikishi, the Iron Sheet, Bailey and Taz, also shared their thoughts and prayers for Ashley and family. On social media. But she, you know, Ashley, I remember her as being kind of like an early Tony Storm-like wrestler, you know, kind of like the punk rock chick. I thought she was very entertaining in the ring. And uh, she'll be sadly missed. And it is, you know, someone that you wouldn't have expected to pass away. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it is a real shame. But um, it's like that came out earlier as well on Twitter. Ryback uh, been talking about it. And we reposted it on the, the, w, the WNR podcast. Uh, basically about a lawsuit she was taken out in 2017 and it seems to be kind of really controversial with that uh, but at the moment we just talk about Ashley herself and yeah it's a shame because it was kind of uh, she was put with Trish Stratus along with her career a little you know a way to start and it was kind of the time of we talk about playboy matches and stuff like this you know, if she maybe came down at a later date uh, it would have been a little bit different but of course you know she will be missed you know all right, so let's talk about Raw and SmackDown. Then we went again, and how many years in a row is it? So our fifth year in a row going together, as it was for Raw and SmackDown, uh, and uh, we wrote down the results. But firstly, well, yeah, let's, should we talk about the card first, and then we'll talk about our experiences of the show? I suppose. Yeah, let's talk. Okay, so we started off. Tickets weren't too bad, and the seats were, were all right. We should say. Seats um, yeah, I think. I don't know, the first, the, the the SmackDown seats were probably better because we could see the entrances and the ring, but the Raw seats were slightly better view for the ring. Yeah, and it, it felt a bit, you know, a, a little bit better. What do you think was better atmosphere, Monday or Tuesday? Monday. I think Monday, yeah, I think Monday, I don't know if it, Monday just felt a little bit louder, I don't know if it was Raw or anything like this, but yeah, we went up there, and uh, what t-shirt did you, did you buy any t-shirts on Monday? Oh, right, yeah. What t-shirt did you buy, Dan? Well, James, I brought the Shield t-shirt, Justice Has Returned. Mm. Because, you know, going through, and I've got a stack of about 30 t-shirts, and not one of them holds a champion. Yeah. None of my t-shirts is a WWE champion, and I've got the Shield one, and obviously one third of that is a champion, and the other third is not no longer with WWE. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it works out, doesn't it? What uh, did you get? What did I get? I got Finn Balor, which you mocked me for. Well, because you hate Finn Balor, but yeah, yeah. but no, it was a nice, it was a nice blue T-shirt, wasn't it? Bought Becky Lynch the man shirt. Let's not forget about that. That's the T-shirt you got to have. It's like Austin three sixteen, isn't it? You know, Rey Mysterio. It's quite a cool little T-shirt he had up there. So I decided to get that one as well, and that was I only got three. 
But again, they're thirty pounds each, and I don't think it gets noted. And it's quite expensive to go up there, and thirty pound a fucking t-shirt. You know, I know there's a couple for fifteen that was there, but still, you know, I, I feel it's still pretty expensive, especially when you go into it and they're charging you five. I'm still pissed off. They're charging you five pound for fucking chips and five uh, four. Five pound is a large coke. Four fifty is a regular coke. Like what the fuck? Well, man? I got a regular coke for four fifty. <laughs> it was warm and it was flat. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's come on. on. Yeah, come on now. And you on. can't take drinks in there either. No, you, yeah, I know. So you have to get rid of everything. Luckily, I, there's some new shops there, so I got some shorts. So I had a game changer, so I wasn't even hot at all for the event. I was quite enjoying myself. Uh, and we started off with um, main event, the show that is still going after, you know, people maybe have forgotten it. And EC3 came out. What a great moment. The former TNA star to see him live, not seen him live before. And what reception he got, you know. That was brilliant. And then we had the revival coming out, and uh, we were there. And what? Well, I did say that, didn't I? Well, he might have, EC3 might have had a match, but I don't really like He did have a match, and he lost to Titus. You know, that guy who's only famous for sliding under the ring? Oh, well, uh, yeah, but still, I, you know, uh, EC3 did lose, uh, and I, I was shocked. I don't know what WWE's problem with him is, but. I don't know, he should have just stayed down in NXT then, you know what I mean, rather than kind of being brought up to the main roster. Doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and then, what was the next match? It was the Revival, and they beat the Lucha House Party. And it wasn't a bad match, actually, was it? Was it was actually yeah? quite a good match. I think uh, the the bit that stood out for me was uh, Kalisto come diving out the ring, <laughs> and he kind of got sidestepped. I think it was... He sidestepped Kalisto and just literally slammed him into barricade. <laughs> Right up the high part, and it did look like he folded himself in. And it's nice to see the Shat Machine used. I still think it's one of the best tag team finishers that there is. And I was surprised Revival won, because I thought they were going to be buried. But obviously, the fans were happy. And then Raw started, and we had to bucket ourselves in for the ride that was. Yes, and uh, we started off with Miz TV, and his guest was Roman Reigns. And he spoke to him, and, he, and uh, well, Roman Reigns started speaking to the Miz and saying, look, Miz, you know... Um, I prefer you being a good here, a good face, you know, not some snivelling idiot that you have been before. He said, you know, I've I can't start garnering respect for you, and he was kind of really talking up the Miz. Yeah. Um, and you know, and Miz talks about his battles with Shane McMahon, and they've both been having problems with Shane O'Mac, who's now the new top heel. Yeah, I guess I guess he's got a lot of storylines, and Shane O'Mac did interrupt them with uh, GPD. Uh, no, sorry, Shane McMahon just came out interrupting them and the GPD and Lash attacked him from behind, didn't he? So Shane McMahon came out and he interrupted Miz and Reigns and was talking trash to them. We thought, well, what's Shane doing out here alone? And then it was Elias or GPD and Lashley attacking Miz and Reigns from behind and, of course, uh, leading to a tag team match that was happening straight away. So that was us right into Raw, wasn't it? You know, What do you think of the tag team match? I thought it was quite an entertaining match. You know, the crowd was absolutely hot for this. Um, Miz and Reigns actually work quite well together <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. The Miz has got a little bit of fire about him as a, as a face, which is good to see. And it's weird to see him, you know, see that. Yeah, and then the match was thrown out because Shane McMahon pulled Reigns off the apron and then they all just started attacking. Yeah, and it ended in a big hoo-ha. Uh, then we had Rollins backstage. And it's weird because it said Rollins next and then he never showed up, did he? So... No, 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 he didn't, no. But we did get a very, very, very good surprise. Yeah. Up next, 
And that was Mojo Rawley, and he went against Apollo Crews. Well, I didn't see this match because, and lots of people didn't, because we all went to the toilet, and as we were there, queuing a huge line for the toilet at that point, and we were were charting uh, Mojo Rawley toilet break. So that's what everybody thinks about Mojo. And what was the match like? Um, Well, I was actually more focused because the amount of people actually leaving the arena during this match was phenomenal. And... You know, to to have Mojo in the ring, he must have looked around the arena and just seen everyone <laughs> bolting for the doors. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm that good. But no, um, Mojo did pick up the victory. He wasn't doing his usual douchey uh, three-point stance stuff and, you know, acting like a hyped-up idiot. But he was still a tosser yeah. and he beat Apollo Crews. Yeah, and he had the... Um... Blue face paint, he's got kind of got the new look about him, hasn't he? So they kind of uh, repackaged Mojo, and he, he did cruise in. And then we had the contract signing, which, of course, was the man, Becky Lynch, with Lacey Evers in Charlotte. And I, I had, I had uh, well, we should say we, we were in quite a group, quite a good group of fans, weren't we, really? Weren't, well, you yeah, know? you know, we, we started talking to two fellas in front of us who are of similar age, and they now follow us on Twitter. So yes. if you're listening to this, Cheers. shout out for you. Um, no, you know, they was very knowledgeable about wrestling and they had, you know, varied opinions and yeah, it it was good interacting with them over stuff as well. You know, we was talking about things during like, you know, the slower spots during the event and that. There was a lot of breaks, like every, after every segment, I don't, it didn't feel like that was matters, but on Raw, it felt like after every little thing, there was at least a five-minute break after that to kind of reset. And it was just kind of too long, and you would start chatting and that. And I, I say, I think Reigns had the biggest response, right, of, of the night. But Lynch had the biggest pop. But, but Lynch had the biggest kind of face pop. Yeah, there was more boots, because even the guys like so in front of us and other people were booing Reigns when he came out. But everybody was reacting with Lynch, you know, some people, everybody was cheering, no one was booing, but maybe some people were, you know, just sitting there. So when Lynch came out, you're like, oh, okay, she's a star. And the crowd fucking loved her. And the chants for Becky, you know, Becky Two Belts and everything like that were, were great as well, you know. Yeah, all the chants, you know, when Becky was Becky was speaking, you know, it, the place was erupting. When uh, Lacey Evans was speaking, everyone was chanting, who are you, who are you? And Charlotte was, I don't know, she was... Just getting boring. Yeah, right well, this, we were just... It, it was the thing. Lacey Evans was kind of getting proper heat, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, Becky was obviously getting the cheers. And with Charlotte, it was just kind of like indifference. People just getting bored of it now, you know? We were calling them twins, weren't we? And, you know, saying they look very similar. And uh, even Lynch kind of made that joke. And then it all broke down, didn't it? As a good contract signing should do. Well, really. Becky Lynch said, look, you know, I'll... I'll beat both of you right now and Lacey Evans kind of backed off but then attacked Becky Lynch mm. Becky Lynch started getting the upper hand got the disarmer locked in and then Charlotte hit her from behind and then both women on Becky Lynch through the table and held up the respective belts that they're going for on uh, Money in the Bank mm-hmm. going, going for that tonight <laughs> and we'll, yeah. we'll bring that to you uh, of course uh, next weekend as well uh, but a lot of Money Bank, like I said, it was a go-home show for Money in Bank, so we, we didn't have the traditional taxi cabs or um, uh, phone booths. We kind of just had the ladder set up. kind of predict, well, you said there'd be a taxi cab. I said there'd be a phone booth. And then, like, you know, you said about the ladders mm. as well, and it was just ladders. You just ladders set up there. And the Union Jacks either side. Yeah, and the Money in the Banks were uh, above the ring as well, weren't they? They did come down for the Money in the Bank matches. Uh, which, you know, and at that point, we're kind of like an hour in, you're thinking, oh, that's okay. 
And then our next match, what was the match you were really excited about? This match, Corbin versus Ricochet. Um, you know, Ricochet, we kind of met him on the Independence. And, we, well, we've both been huge fans of him ever since. And he he's just great in the ring, very athletic, very just puts it all on the line. And he's a flawless competitor as well. And it got buried by Baron Corbin. Yeah, I mean, Corbin got heat when he came out. You know, Corbin is not liked. And even, I know some people, like, get bad heat, but I don't think this is that bad for Corbin. This isn't hill heat. This is just, we don't like you here. Yeah, and for someone who you predicted would be a future heavyweight champion. But I think it's good heat. I think it's good heat to have for Corbin. Uh, I think he's he's one of the best hills in WWE now as well just because like even the vest you can on social media you, go, you don't like the vest well that's why I wear it for you know what I mean he's annoying you look at me go oh, for fuck's sake and and that's what I quite like there is no kind of redeeming feature I will not be cheering for Corbin but I will be booing him which you know when we were, weren't even chanting for Baron Corbin we were chanting for Corbin in that match though we was we were chanting Jeremy Corbin <laughs> yeah. and uh, for those who are not familiar with Jeremy Corbin he's uh, a British politician other politicians are available. Oh, they are indeed, yes. But, um, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, it was a comedic... Because we... Us Brits are famed for coming up <laughs> yeah. with great banter in our chants. And, you know, we, hey, hey, Bailey. Uh, there's been... There's been like, every time you, you, you go to an event, there's always kind of a new chance. If it be, you know, whatever it is, we take it on. There's always going to be different chants involved, and, and even kind of just people shouting out as well always makes our la- makes us laugh, and we can hear. Wasn't the kind it of last passion. year about Paige, the porno page, like the the banner that was unfurled? I think you was going to the toilet at that time, or it might be. Well, because we saw Hulk Hogan as well, didn't we? So even the people dressing up, it kind of gives it a shot in the arm to uh, the Raw and SmackDown because it's kind of been drab recently and to kind of get like a red-hot crowd involved who treat it like a WrestleMania, you know, people dressed up and, and everybody really, really excited about well, it. Well, no, it was Monday Night Raw. We had the three Ric Flairs yeah. wearing their Ric Flair robes and then it was a SmackDown that we sort of... Yeah, Hulk Hogan. And just imagine on a SmackDown that kind of getting that excitement and he was doing all the gestures. Credit to him. He, he's was, he played the he part was brilliant. brilliantly. You know, yeah. he's going around... He's got a thumbs up and clapping the hands, all right, and all that kind of stuff, you know, really, really good. Absolutely brilliant. But anyway, back on with the event, yeah, Ricochet lost to Baron Corbin cleanly. Yes, he did, which was a surprise, Uh, especially it's kind of yo-yo booking for Ricochet, like one win, one loss every kind of week. They try to make up for that because Corbin grabbed the ladder afterwards and uh, went up to go grab Money in the Bank briefcase. Oh, yeah, Corbin, Corbin, (laughs) all right. Corbin went up the ladder, yeah, and Ricochet yeah, yeah, pushed yeah. him off. So, yeah, Corbin went up to get the, the briefcase. Ricochet had the last laugh. I pushed him off the ladder. Corbin fell to the floor, and Ricochet uh, walked Left. off. So, you know, even though he lost, he, you know, still had the last laugh there. And then we had the women's... It came out and got the victory. And when <laughs> one of these things I did like is because I'm a big... Nikki, big Nikki Cross fans. Oh yeah, yeah. And WWE not really explained her much to the fans when she brought uh, brought him in and she hit the finishing move or she, you know, I, I then t- that is it, everybody. All right, that's yeah, that's yeah. her finishing move. <laughs> like one, two, three, got the job done. Because a lot of people were surprised, but they should really, you know what I mean? It's about trying to build up a character in that way as well. Yeah, and then it was quite interesting that after the match because Alexa Bliss she was on commentary, so we did get to see her. She made her way to the ring. Uh, 
there was a ladder set up in the ring. Nick, uh, Nicky Cross looked to be calm in it, and Alexa Bliss was like, mm. no. Stay your hold a sec. Bliss climbed up on top as Nikki Cross held it. Yeah. And we was convinced that she was going to push it. And then, uh, no, Alexa Bliss managed to successfully retrieve the briefcase. Well, just imagine this. What about if Alexa Bliss is the ultimate kind of puppeteer and she's controlling Nikki Cross? Nikki Cross wins the, the briefcase and then just hands it to Bliss. You know, I mean, it is why was there a connection there between the two? It's interesting to see, but it's always enjoyable seeing Nikki Cross. Oh, absolutely, most definitely, yes. But I think up next was definitely, for me, match of the night. Yes, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And that was Cesaro, who hasn't kind of changed up his entrance music. He's still got the the bar theme, uh, despite the blue brand now, but not the brands matter anyway. <laughs> but yeah, they had an absolute barn burner of a match. These two are very, very talented guys. Cesaro, we've always kind of put him in the... Uh, Someone who deserves a lot, lot more than what he gets bracket. And Rey Mysterio, you know, watching him 20 years ago, he hasn't aged a day and he still doesn't skip a beat now. No, without a doubt, you know. And it, the match was set up early in the night when Cesaro said to Ray that a Dominic looks more like Joe's son than yours, which is quite a funny little moment. So it had a little bit of meaning to this match. But like I said, a cracking encounter. And we saw the, the, the swing, which was uh, just is brilliant by Cesaro, you know. It was absolutely brilliant. But what topped that, I think, was the Swiss 1-9. Yeah. <laughs> Cesaro looking to hit the 6-1-9. And again, you know, it was like the crowd around us. Like, you know, the group of people that around us was like they kind of said, Oh, Swiss one nine yeah, and then we started yeah, chanting yeah. for it. And yeah, unsuccessfully hit it, but uh, Cesaro getting the victory. Ray Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio getting the victory yeah. with the frog splash. Mysterio sneaking one, but WWE always are I've already asked, would you want to see a rematch? So I think we're gonna get that on Raw. Uh, this week uh, so that, that was interesting and then for me I mean that was a great match but then the best thing for me of that night uh, happened in the next kind of uh, vignette that they have for Bray Wyatt well yes but before we get to that let's talk about the secret origin of Bray Wyatt's new mask yeah I mean this is cool like we say we, we talk about the video and we saw Bray Wyatt's new look uh, it's, it's we get the backstory of how the demonic clown mask Bray Wyatt revealed on Raw came to be. Well, from concept to reality, this is still surreal. I'll never forget the night Bray texted me beyond excited with this idea. He has needed, he has and needed my help. Needed my help, still weird. He called me and with the excitement of a child, he ran off this long list of descriptions and concepts flooding my text messages with doodles and images. He had an idea in mind that needed help. He had a team of people to create the idea, but didn't have the vision. I've never been more scared to take 20 ideas and details and try to create a drawing that showcased his thoughts, which couldn't lit mildly, are about as close to insane as the character. Well, when I was done, his response blew me away. I was told I saved his career. Now, that's absurd, but he was in a rut, and W weren't giving him the green light based on descriptions alone. Well, my drawings were literally on the desk of Vince McMahon. Well, Vince McMahon saw my renderings to help give him a visual guide for Bray's idea, and it was green lit. Well, it's still crazy to think about. From there, I was kept updated about the sculpting work of Jason Baker, FX designer for Tom Savina, who work include many WWE performers, and especially Corey Taylor of Slipknot. Also, those vignettes on WWE Raw built up to this, and we're still not done. I had no idea what was going to debut and when, mind you. So, like the T-O-O, or t- the tall concert, 
and almost literally in the moment I find out the Blues are close to winning the game, I had a text from Bray that simply read, congrats, brother. We changed wrestling forever. Well, I began to see messages from friends and other fans who shared the image of the televised segment. I told him I was beaming and that I was so happy for him to see something he loved so much come to life. He responded, we made this happen. I'll be honest, I had tears. Well, in the middle of a loud ass rock concert, all the bands thanking God for gifts he's been giving me because Lord knows I don't deserve them, but I don't take any of it for granted. Well, this may all be meaningless to many, perhaps cool to some, but I'll leave it with this. One of my dreams was to go to school at Tom Savani's makeup FX studio and design movie Monsters. Financially, we couldn't make it happen, of course. I was a lifelong pro wrestling fan, and Bray Wyatt was legitimately one of the only faces in wrestling that excited me to tune in. Well, now, thanks to my tattoo work catching his attention, I've helped design the look of the man's on-air character with the help of the artist who works for Savini. I still can't process all this fully. Anyway, I was contractually obligated to keep my trap shut till it debuted. So that's my long-winded story. Well, so much goodness in Scarborough's post, not the least of which is the amount of time and effort Wyatt put into the gimmick reimagining. The stress he was obviously under to save his career and the teamwork Bray and Carl put into making it happen and sharing in the satisfaction of a job well done. Also, they're not done. Wowie. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable stuff. It was the reaction it got. In, in the arena. I think I even grabbed hold of your fucking arm at that point. <laughs> it was, James, it? I, I think I'll reveal to you now, that wasn't my arm. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, I was, I was in shock. It was brilliant, though, wasn't it? It was know? absolutely great, yes. You know, he, he talks about, um, you know, he had his puppets there with him and he was saying about, you know, that I've got a new look, would you like to see it? And we thought, it, you know, it's going to be another tease from Bray yeah, Wyatt. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, kind of it flicking in between the two images of him and... Just this absolute demonic mask. And, you know, they, they say that wrestling's for kids. But if I was a kid, this would have scared the actual bejesus out of me. Honestly, it was fu- it was terrifying, you know. Like I say, it did scare the shit out of me. Well, think, think of the Joker. Yeah. But with, you know, a more demonised smile. It's like his skin is, his, his skin is ripped open. You've seen the, the monster underneath, you know. It's kind of really... Really well done. Now, let's pray they don't fuck it up with his introduction as well. You know, he's got a new look. And let's hope they do right with Bray because the fans are instantly behind it. You know, that was the, one of the biggest fucking reactions of the night. But what do you think they're going to do with it? Do you think he's going to be like, in one instance, he's going to be the Bray with his hair tied back, wearing like the, the sweater vest. And then the next, it's going to be Bray, you know, when he's wrestling, kind of like the Demon King. Yeah. Because that would be a great fucking feud to go on. Honest honest to goodness, I think that would be fucking... I think what you've just said there with the kind of Clark Kent of like... Or or the Incredible Hulk type, you know, of... Look, look, hey guys, how you doing? Can I have a total match? And it's like, well, no. Well, you don't want to make me angry, you know. Don't do anything like that. And then they kind of beat this brain. He goes, oh, you know. And he's oh, this is going to happen now. Lights go out, comes on. He just fucking murders everybody. Not, Not literally, I know, but... That's what this kind of Bray Wyatt character needs to do. And then he can come back as a brain and goes, oh, man, I can't believe what happened. Like, wow, yowie, wowie, you know. And they can build it from here. I think it can be brilliant. Uh, anyway, one to the main event. And Sami Zayn had been moaning throughout the night. We originally were going to get Drew McIntyre versus Brian Strowman for a main event. But then Sami Zayn had said that he wanted an opportunity uh, at Money in a Bank, and they were more than happy to give him one. If he could beat Braun Strowman, he would take his spot in Money in a Bank. In an Anything Goes match. In an Anything Goes, Falls, falls count, count Anywhere. anywhere. 
and Fools did count anywhere because we didn't see half the match, did we? <laughs> well, no, you know, because where we were sat, like, we kind of had a bit of a balcony which led to, like, a bit of an alleyway. So we thought, oh, Fools count anywhere. They're definitely going to come past <laughs> us, you know. But, no, they was up on the right-hand side. Well, they was up, like, a couple of seating blocks away from us and they went up into the back area and... Uh, like, you know, they fought kind of in the food court area, then come back down the other set of steps, which was, again, nowhere near us, uh, and then kind of fought their way through, like, at the bottom of the stairs in kind of, like, the, the ground seating area, back up towards the stage. And then, like, I think a fan kind of got interrupted. Yeah, and a fan jumped on Braun as well, yeah, which is a bit weird. So, uh, and then McIntyre Corbin came out to help him. And, of course, they couldn't show up the screen. The problem is because of the camera work, when you're looking at the screen, you if the big screen's on, then it just keeps going back and back and back and back and back. You know, like the mirror to the mirror, basically. Yeah. So that's why they don't like doing it. But obviously, fucking the 15,000 people that, you know, are struggling to see it. Uh, it's a little bit of trouble. But Zane got the victory. Well, we didn't realise it was Zane because all we heard was a one, yeah. <laughs> two, three. And we're like, who's won? And then Sammy Zane's music. Yeah. It's like, oh, Zane won then. I, but yeah. following the videos, uh, they, you know, they after the match had happened... Uh, they did put the video up on the screen and it was uh, Drew McIntyre yeah. with a Claymore Play kick and then Sami Zayn kind of got dragged on top of him and I think they all bundled up to get the pin. Yeah, to beat him as well. I'll tell you what was enjoyable, Sami Zayn coming out and singing his entrance theme as well, which uh, is, is a catchy theme tune you got. That was, now. well, again, you know, um, <laughs> us and the two guys in front of us, like we was all stood up and we was going absolutely <laughs> fucking mental. People must have thought we was idiots, but... Again, we didn't care. We yeah. was just having a laugh, a good time. And, yeah, we wrestling were going about. It is, That's yeah. what wrestling's all about. Making friends that you're never going to see again. Exactly. Um, and some that you have to yeah, see. Yeah, keeping friends week. that yeah, you, you wish you'd never see again. Uh, but then the dark match afterwards. And uh, we did see Drew McIntyre coming out uh, for singles action against AJ Styles. Not a bad match between the two. But, again, kind of protecting McIntyre a little bit. Because it ended with a DQ finish and McIntyre getting out of kind of harm's way for getting pinned, but it was nice seeing AJ Styles though. And then the kind of the other dark match that we had as well. Yes, uh, we also saw Rollins versus Baron Corbin, and and if seeing him in the match against uh, Barry and Ricochet wasn't enough, also seeing him in the match against uh, with Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman wasn't enough. Vince McMahon was like, "Damn it, we shove him down that throat," and gave gave us a match uh, Rollins versus Corbin. Um, again, it wasn't a terrible match. No. Um, I, uh, uh, the victory with the curb stomp, which was kind of like, you know, predicted as he is going into money in the bank, obviously to defend his title. So he needs a bit of uh, momentum in that. It, it was interesting. It was a good night. It was a good night. I mean, uh, you talk about kind of WWE with a talent roster. It's got star power maybe as, isn't there. But again, we didn't see the Raw Tag Team titles. Uh, we didn't see, you know, the Viking. Uh, the Viking War Radio Experience, um, you know, a, a, kind of a, a lot of other talent that wasn't involved. But I think Raw, even for its faults, it's just the problem is it's just not seamless enough. It doesn't go from segment to segment. It's just too long waits. And you're there, and, you know, we got in, doors opened at half five. We got in, we sat down about half six and probably got out about quarter to 11. And, you know, and 
we were talking about this. It's a long time. The kids were, you know, a few kids near us, whatever, they kind of fallen asleep. And the people who were drinking kind of, you know, were very loud for the fun of the first couple of hours and then just, you know, towards the end of it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and therein lies a problem with kind of, could you just wait too long? It was a good roar, but it wasn't a great one. And, and another thing that annoys me, it was nothing, if you'd missed a show, there's nothing you really missed apart from Zane taking Strowman's place at Money in the Bank. That was the only newsworthy thing. And Bray Wyatt. And, and so Bray Wyatt as well, yeah. Even though they did shout on Tuesday, but like, yeah, the, the Monday Bray Wyatt thing was, was worthwhile as well. So I suppose it, that's quite good. What are your thoughts on Raw? Yeah, it is, it is broken up too much. It's like um, in the women's Fatal 4-Way four four match, Naomi came down, and then we go on to a fucking promo, and then, like, you know, they finish her music, and then, like, you know, she's in the ring, and then it's like... You know, it watching the Raws from 20 years ago, like the, as we do on the uh, WWE versus WCW segment, it seems, you know, seamless. You know, one story rolls into another, rolls into another, and, you know, it, it all just flows smoothly. But with this, it's like, right, one segment, right, we stop that, and we have a break, and then, like, you know, we, we go into something completely different. And then we kind of go back to something that we were talking about before, but but slightly different to that. And then, you know, it is it is just too back and forth. Uh, a bit too much Corbin. Yes, yeah. Um, but again, you know, it wasn't a bad show. We saw very, very good matches. Zara and Rey Mysterio, which was my standout match of the night. A uh, moment with uh, Bray Wyatt. Again, you know, aside from that, I'd love to have seen a... Or have heard. And... No! Whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, you know, is a bit of a surprise. And we heard that R-Truth was fating, facing Volta as well in a house show at the same time. We were thinking, oh, why couldn't we have had that as like a kind of dark match, you know? So Yeah, and uh, Ali B and Randy Orton as well. So it's interesting, interesting what was going on because, of course, you know, like I said, SmackDown and Raw in days. So it kind of splits it up a little bit as well. Uh, but that was Monday, and then we move on to SmackDown. Alright, so we move on to SmackDown, and it's a bit more chilled out on the Tuesday. We left a little bit later. Uh, the line wasn't as big for the t-shirts this time round. And we shared a portion of expensive chips. And we did share chips as well. Toilet was shut, but Subway was open. So. Yes, yes, that is good. And uh, whilst we were sat eating chips, I bumped into my cousin, who was fortunate enough to go to WrestleMania as well. We had a little chat with him. Um, I was kind of bragging about my... Uh, <laughs> My show pony here as well, because I was saying, look, give him a year and he'll tell you who won the Royal Rumble. And he was, you know, trying to confuse him, giving him a few years. And he was bang, bang, bang like that with his encyclopedia knowledge, which I, I just thought was quite interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so I did show off a little bit. Um, there's lots to talk about the seats are better, but the T-shirts, what T-shirt did you get on the Tuesday? I got a Hardy's T-shirt. Or a Jeff Hardy, more significantly. Mm. And uh, you got you got four, didn't you? I got four. I got the Hardy in space and time. Uh, got the New Day Pancake Power, and of course the the new champion. If there is with the New Day on front, and the we were there, and of course the we were there. The tour dates as well. Uh, so they're the, the four the t shirts, and like I said, we got in SmackDown. We the the queue queuing for the the each event was. Pretty easy, wasn't it? We absolutely smashed the queuing because the first time we was on the far right-hand side and uh, they were saying, oh, have you got O2? You know, go there. So they've kind of taken them from our line. So our line was just dashing down and we got mm. through quite quickly. The SmackDown one, is, uh, I said, oh, you just might as well, you know, use my phone because I'm on O2. And we got straight through to the front. We was in 
very, very quickly. Shit, we were, we were. Uh, and you know, like I said, the seats weren't too bad. And I didn't, weren't sure if Terry Five Love was going to start before SmackDown, but it didn't. SmackDown was straight up on it, you know, uh, and it started right out with Roman Reigns. We had seen him on Raw starting off, and he started coming out for uh, a promo as well. Yes, and he also called out The Miz, uh, you know, for their successful tag team match, or kind of unsuccessful. Yeah. They won the match, but, they, it, you know, they would have won it anyway. But they've got unfinished business, and that's why they're there tonight on SmackDown to carry it on. Elias and Shane interrupt. And they say, look, Miz, you know, the wild card rule ap- ap- uh, applies to Roman Reigns, but not to you, so you're out. You know, we don't yeah. want you here. You're not allowed to be here. Here comes... Uh, and another team to you know to help us out, and we were all thinking it's going to be the B team because we've seen them the past couple of weeks. But in a night, it's actually a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yes, it was Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, out to help the Hills. Yeah, and then the Usos come out to try and even the odds, but of course uh, managed to kind of save the day. And the match was set up for later on. It's going to be a four on three handicap match, and like I said, the Miz is barred from the match. Yes, I'm um, out. With the ladder. Yeah, and give a promo about what that's all about. And then the Fatal 4-Way match uh, started it off properly. And, of course, that was Randy Orton, like you mentioned. Mustafa Ali. Uh, CN. And Balor. And CN wins. And I thought that was a great match. They even got the ladder involved in it, didn't they? You know? They did, yeah. There's a few uh, little ladder spots there. And uh, I think CN was just about to... No, I think was the ring cleared? Or was CN just about to go up? No, CM was just about to climb up to get the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then Ricochet came, which was an absolute brilliant surprise. Uh, came, like, literally springboard off the top rope, land on the ladder, knock CM off, grab the briefcase, which would actually be an amazing thing to happen. At Money in the Bank, At wouldn't it? Bank, you know? yeah. Uh, yeah, but CM picked up the, the win uh, with beating Finn Balor. Uh, and you got to question yourself, maybe in a title feud between the two, which would produce some fantastic matches. We've got CN RKO, and the stuff really looked good. It was an enjoyable fight of foray in that way. Yeah, and even a Ricochet surprised at it, set it up quite well, you know. Um, then we have Charlotte arriving, and we wondered what she was going to do. And all she does was introduce a Becky Charlotte promo and then left. <laughs> it was about a five-minute-long promo. But we had seen quite a good promo for Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, and Raw. And this was kind of the same thing, talking about their kind of history. We actually saw one for Roman Reigns, uh, talk, again, talking about his kind of whole career. Uh, and this was building up towards Becky and Charlotte. And then we had the uh, Lacey Evans backstage promo where she basically said, people forgetting about me. And uh, she's going to show Becky Lynch the kind of woman's right and walk out as Raw Women's Champion. Uh, so it's interesting to kind of set that up, you know, uh, in 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 that way for Money in the Bank. Yeah, um, and then we go on to the four-on-three handicap match. Usos and Roman Reigns versus Shane, Elias, Bryan and Rowan. And for us, I think the more important part <laughs> of that match was actually getting to see Shane McMahon yeah, yeah, wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's something, you know, I don't think we'd we'd ever thought we'd see, but it was a very, very, very pleasant surprise. People moan. I was thinking about this the other day as well. People moan about Shane Man being involved wherever it is. But they're kind of to see him after like say seeing him twenty years previously as like the European champion and part of the corporate ministry and now rest I don't care if he's been the most used guy. He worked quite well in that match as well. He you know. did and uh <laughs> It's a remnants of uh, Survivor Series 2001 when they was going WCW versus WWF uh, for kind of like the, the brand supremacy, which one was going to go out of business. And 
every time uh, you know one of the Usos or Reigns was getting a cover, shamed of being to break it up, and I was like, that is so lush. I yeah, mean, like you know, yeah, yeah. seventeen years later, and he's or eighteen years later, and he's still doing the same kind of shame at man things which is yeah, absolutely brilliant yeah no i really really liked it like i said a really really good match um who won that match yeah sorry going back to that fatal four-way match with orton he threw everyone over the announce table and the fans were chanting one <laughs> yeah. more time and orton went to pick him up he said no 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 you don't deserve it <laughs> and left it at that which was i thought that was great shame at man elias and rowan and brian um Shane hit the coast to coast on Jay for the win. Of we saw a coast saw to coast. coast. <laughs> we saw a coast to coast. <laughs> oh yeah, so Shane. <laughs> yeah, the action broke down. Each of the superstars involved delivering signature offense. Elias delivered drift away, but turned right into a super kick from Jay. Reigns delivered a Superman punch at ringside. Back inside, Shane McMahon went coast to coast on Jay for the victory. There you go. And then the Miz came down afterwards to chase him off with a steel chair. Shane, the best in the world, gets the victory. Uh, as I said, a really enjoyable match. And then Paige come out next with uh, Kari Sane and Oscar. And uh, they faced off with uh, Sonia Deville and uh, Mandy Rose. But before they faced off, Paige did announce that uh, Oscar and Kari Sane have got a new name for their tag team. It's the Bukaki Warriors. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, <laughs> no, it's not. It's the Kabuki Warriors. Isn't that the same? Isn't that just a jizz face? No, it's not. No, it's Kabuki. And people have been having a go at this, like you, right? The Kabuka Warriors, right? And it is actually Oscar's and uh, Kari Sane's idea to come up with that name. They wanted to be known as the Kabuki Girls, and they changed it to Warriors to make it more appropriate. Well, at least it isn't as bad as the Viking experience. Yeah, well, I doubt, you know. And uh, there was a little bit of a botch towards the end with Oscar getting the roll up. And they're trying to play a little bit of a tease between look like Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville in that way, or will they, won't they? And Oscar saying deserve an opportunity. Of course, the Iconics were there at ringside as well watching on. And again, they weren't really used uh, right either. So it's kind of weird to not really see them. Indeed, yes. Um, and then we see uh, a Lars with a backstage promo as well. Yeah, uh, he's dominating everybody. And he like R-Truth and uh, Matt Hardy and co... And then we had uh, Kevin Owens backstage talking about uh, Kofi Kingston. And Kofi came out for the KO show because he was going to be on it in the main event. And he was quite cool. What a reaction it was for Kofi Kingston as well. Absolutely you know? brilliant, yeah. And he was, uh, he was kind of sat across the two chairs, feet up on one, tossing pancakes out as he does. But he said to Woods before he went out, he said, look, you know, I know we're a team, but I, I want to do this on my own. They, believe, they, you know, they don't believe I can do this on my own. Um, you know, I I, I want to prove to just not myself, but everyone that I can do this standing alone. And you know, Woods seemed a bit dejected, but he said, "Yeah, fair enough. You know, go and uh, go and do it on your own." So he did. Um, well, but but so, yeah, it was kind of like the Kofi show. Yeah, to start well, off with when we we started charting that, didn't we? And Kofi's like, I like, I like the sound of that. We saw Kevin Owens backstage, and that's why I like Kevin Owens as a heel, because he was saying, you know, he's having a go at Kofi and saying that with your brothers, that's the only reason you won the title. By yourself, you can't do it. And Kofi's like, well, come out here. And Owens like, kind of disappeared. And then as he's coming out, he kind of stops, walks back, you know, then comes forward again, stops, and you kind of get annoyed by him, because he just he is so heelish, you know. You think, oh, what's Owens going to do? Then all of a sudden, some bloke just looked like jump over the barricade and start attacking Kofi. We're thinking, who is it? And it turned out to be Sami Zayn. Yeah. So um, I don't know why Zayn and Owens are teaming up together, together again, but I guess they are. Uh, yeah, well, it's it was, you know, kind of different. Uh, well, not different, but 
it was interesting. It was a good storyline to lead up to their match at Money in the Bank. And then Woods kind of comes down to try and help, but I think as soon as he gets to the ring, he gets knocked out as yeah, well. Yeah, he gets to the ring post, but it straight away. Yeah. Uh, but Kofi is the last one standing there as SmackDown went off the air. Then he got the microphone and goes, hey, let's have a tag team match for uh, the, the Dark Main event here tonight after 205 Live, uh, which, of course, we talked about earlier. And in the, the main event, uh, Woods and Kofi beat Owens and Zayn in a, a quite an enjoyable match. Quite standard. Sent the fans home happy, didn't it? You know? Did leave happy. We did leave happy, and uh, it was, SmackDown was quite a good night, wasn't it? You know, it was. Yeah, I think the you know the wrestling quality was certainly a lot better than the Raw, but the Raw, I don't know. It seems kind of. I think where we were sitting, you know, we were sat with because there was like a couple of guys that we were talking to in front of us, and there was like. Uh, I don't know, about four or five people on their row as well, just to the right-hand side of us, which, you know, they was getting involved as well. Um, and SmackDown, and it, I don't know, it just didn't seem like that. It was, the the crowd was gelling together. Mm, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's what it was, you know. I think Monday was better. I think Tuesday was a better show, but I think Monday, just a better atmosphere and everything in well, general. Yeah, you know, Tuesday like. was, I think Tuesday was all about the wrestling because, you know, we had the, the Fatal 4-Way, which was a very good match. Uh, you know, we had the Ricochet surprise, which was good. Uh, the Charlotte promo, which... Uh, the Usos, Reigns, Shane, Elias, Brian, uh, Brian and Rowan. That was a very good match as well. Oscar and Sane against Rose and Deville. Seeing Kari Sane wrestling. I think that was a good surprise for the pair of us as well, because we're good fans of her. Uh, and Oscar as well. Um, and, you know, even the... The Kofi segment as well, that was very good. Yeah. And then we get to follow that up with the 205 Live, which we talked about earlier. Gallagher, Carrillo, Drake and Mark Andrews. Carrillo getting the victory there. And Aguero, Nice with Nice defending his title successfully. And, of course, the dark match, which followed as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a quite an enjoyable experience. You know, I think we will do it again next year as well. Uh, even though, you know, WWE does need to kind of change it up a little bit, maybe add a little bit more surprise. What's the problem of us having money in the bank pay-per-view? Do you know what I mean? Have that at the O2 arena. Uh, and and it, I think there would be nothing wrong with that, especially when you look at the car and you think what could happen. And at least you have a major match then. Major, major match. match. As in a money in the bank ladder match to watch. Because that's basically what they try to show us on SmackDown, you know, when they got the ladder involved and stuff like this. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens when it comes to Raw SmackDown product because they're not going to have a crowd like us to try and make it better as well. Uh, but there are things to look at for the future. Okay, before we move on to NXT, I was going to say there is another new program coming to the WWE Network and it's coming as we record tonight or yesterday as you're listening to this and it's WWE Chronicle with Ali which we'll review in full on the next network review. So move on to NXT UK, and it's episode 41, May 1st. Travis Banks defeated Monsoor via pinball. And Zaya Brooks of Ray Ripley and her plans in the NXT UK Women's Division. We get a video package hyping the debut of Aya Dragunov. We see Nina Samuels in a dressing room talking about how the interval is over and the Nina Samuels show is ready to begin again. She focuses on NXT UK Women's Champion Tony Storm. 
But we go to the match that we're going to watch, and that's Piper Niven versus Reina Gonzalez. And I tell you something, she's very intimidating, but Reina Gonzalez uh, is a lot taller than Piper Niven. So this will be a very interesting matchup. We saw her on the May Young Classic coming out with cowbell and chaps and all. They're going to go against the, I think, the biggest star that will become of NXT UK, and that is Piper Niven. She will be a dominant force, I fear, for years to come. But let's so, see if she So, um, Reina Gonzalez, her, her name looks rather Mexican, mm-hmm. and she is uh, a... Yes, um, you know all the famous Mexican cowgirls, so I don't need to list them here. Whereas Piper Niven is, of course, the, uh, the Scottish warrior looking to be successful here in NXT UK as the collar and elbow tie-up. And Niven has usually got the power in this match. It's even at the moment. Bit of a cleanish break for the two. A standoff. Gonzalez saying she's better. Oh, come on now. Reina's got the hair. Reina goes for a shot, but Piper Niven ducks underneath it and uh, gets out of the corner. Side headlock locked in now. Oh, Niven's got a lot of quickness. Got a lot of speed as well and agility. And people might not recognise that. That's Looks a... for the shoulder block takedown, but Reina... And she tells Piper to bounce another rope, but grabs her head, rips her down to the mat, looks to drop the elbow, but Piper Niven, quick as a flash, up to her feet. Now Niven in the go-behind, trying to get Raina up, but she's blocking it. Raina shoves Niven back into the corner. And Gonzalo's showing a bit of aggression, but here comes Niven, dodging a clutch line. I think so. We get caught right behind in the back of the head low, and now kicked down, and set into the top turnbuckle, now working a lower back area. And again, it is unusual to see Piper Niven getting outpowered in a match. Mm. Second Irish whip to the corner. Drop toehold. Gonzalez just looking to humiliate Piper Niven. Well, we thought Niven would come here, but it, this is a person who wants to send a message, wants to be involved in the NXT UK women's division in Reina Gonzalez. And if she can put Piper Niven down, it would be a massive shock. But now look at the strength for Niven. Breaking the lock and trying to get back to her feet. Elbow shots to the gut. Niven trying to pick her up, but the lower back can't do it. After the few Irish whips and the kicks to the back. And Gonzalez trying to get Niven down, but only gets a one. One. So, uh, being a, a huge fan of Piper Niven, would you see her, rather see her take the the kind of slow progress up to, towards the top of the Women's Championship? Or do you think she deserves a title shot as soon as possible. I think she either or. She either did a hill way of actually doing like a proper kind of Nia Jax thing of dominating the women's division and going to take the gold straight away. But we're kind of seeing that with Wolves at the moment. I mean, Niven can work the face. And I think what we're seeing here as well is that she will be dominant. She is gaining sympathy here. That's something that she can do. And it's it's good to see from her. as she's just recovered now. Yes, and uh, she was looking to kind of get a roll up. But Reina Gonzalez kind of getting rolled up out of the ring. Giving Piper Niven plenty of time to kind of recuperate and recover. She's lost a bit of sensation in her hands and uh, her back's obviously given her a load of jip. And they're selling second to none, isn't it? You know, we can see that now. She's definitely telling the story of the match. There's now just forearm shots from Gonzalez and Niven. I think Piper's getting the best of the exchange at the moment. Piper ducks a close-on attempt. Looks for a larry of her own. Couple of back fists there across the chest of Gonzalez. Ducks a chop from Rayner. Running cross body. Running sent on slash. Look how quick she moves as well. Goes in for the cover. Oh. But Gonzalez managed to kick out. Uh-huh. And now she picks her up. Oh, Piper driver. One, One two, two, three. 
Oh, Niven wasn't messing around there. Felt momentum slipping with her. Knew she was dealing with a couple of injuries. And put Gonzalez away with a big shot. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Yeah, you know, it is good. It's uh, It was a good way of putting Reina Gonzalez over as someone who is very powerful and has the potential to to upset a few people and uh, get a few big victories under her belt. But I think, you know, the, the right woman won that match. Yeah. And Piper Niven going, you know, her momentum slowly going up there as well, which is absolutely great for her. Do you think that is the right thing to do with Piper Niven then? I mean, you're a fan. I think, yeah, building her momentum up slowly, putting her against strong, legitimate opponents, um, it's, it's certainly going to help her a lot. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Anyway, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan talk about the doubters and how they've been travelling the same roads as them. They talk about NXT UK in Glasgow. They said they're going to ask NXT UK GM Johnny Saint for a tag team title shot. Well, Gallows talk about NXT UK coming to Scotland next week. And for the WWE United Kingdom Championship, it's Jordan Devlin going again. Huge reception he gets, even though he dethroned probably one of the best championship holders we've seen in the modern era, Pete Dunne, but he still gets a massive reception. Excellent point, though, as well, because you talk about the kind of success of Pete Dunne and the amount of defences he had, and now also not only beating Pete Dunne, he needs to live up to that and defend the title as often as Pete Dunne did. Well, do you think that kind of elevates Walter, you know, someone who defeated such a champion in Pete Dunne? I think without a doubt, you know, and I think what's going to be difficult is to him to try and carry on what Dunn did because we talk about, you know, you brought Lesnar's as champions, the champions not defending all the time. Pete Dunn was a constant. Walter's has got to do that as well, uh, especially against Jordan Devlin. You know, the problem is overconfidence. He's just beaten the most, you know, the man who couldn't be beaten, and now he, he's probably thinking he's untouchable. Uh, Pete Dunn wants his rematch. That's what we know. But at the moment, it's going to be Devlin. I mean, Devlin has been featured really heavily on NXT UK as well, hasn't he? You know. He has indeed, yes, but um, rest in peace, Jordan Devlin's chest. <laughs> I right, mean, no. Volta, the ring general, has probably got one of the most feared in WWE full stop. I, I think, yeah, without a doubt, you, no, no one wants to be hit by that. The sheer, you know, momentum. You can see the marks on Volta's chest from the, the war he had with Pete Dunne, and that's why we've not seen Pete Dunne since then, you know. They're both involved. And Devlin might seek that rules is not 100%. And he's going to take his time here as well. He's not going to go right after the big man. It's obviously, he knows he's not going to win the strength, you know, a war of... Uh, he's not going to win a battle of strength here as he takes his time. Well, he needs to kind of get in there, stick a move, and uh, just try and avoid the chop at all costs. <laughs> yeah. But James, I think he'll give you a bit of smug satisfaction to see... Uh, Jordan Devlin's chest get caved in by a huge chop from Walter. Well, like I say, he's been featured so much in, in every storyline since the very beginning. He's faced Pete Dunne for the title. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. oh. 
Devlin managed to dodge one and then responds with a chop of his own. Well, two, and then Scarpa's <laughs> out the ring as quickly as his legs could carry him. You know, Devlin's been involved a lot. Like we talk about uh, matches against uh, Travis Banks as in Ballot Takeover yeah, and being involved in Welsh Collide as well. So they obviously have high hopes for Devlin. Well, with Jordan Devlin, I think he's um, he has been the one constant. You know, we haven't seen Pete Dunne week in, week out. We haven't seen Mustache Mountain. You know, and everyone else, they've been, you know, a bit sparse. Even the women, you know, Tony Storm, Ray Ripley. But Jordan Devlin, he's kind of featured in a televised match yeah. near enough every week. Without a doubt, he is the constant. <clears throat> and now, Forces has got hold of Devlin. Trying to get that sleeper hold locked in, but Devlin manages to fight out of it. Volta with the jump and then a big boot to the face of Devlin. Well, everything the ring general does is going to hurt. But, I, I, you know, I think Walter, uh, not Walter, sorry, uh, Devlin, he's he's a very good worker. I think Devlin's improving as it goes along. You Despite know. not being likeable, and that, uh, you know, unlikable because he's a heel, it's just, he's Oof. someone, just his, he just irritates me. Yeah, like, I, I completely agree with you as he gets a clubbing blow to the chest. But Walter, he is a phenomenal athlete and a worker as well, for especially for a very big guy. He, you know, he out-wrestles the like, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar, uh, Undertaker. You know, he is more technical wrestler than a lot of them. Well, I think they haven't got quite like the problem in this match because more of the unbeatable one going against Devlin. And have we seen enough of Devlin to really believe he can beat, you know, the ring general here tonight? I think that's what's going to be interesting because at the moment he's having little no success and is he... Does that make Walter a little bit weaker if Devlin can find his way back into this match? You know, it's a, it's a weird kind of thing now, isn't it? Because there's no like managers or anything like that, maybe cause a distraction. Yeah, there is that, but uh, again, you know, with uh, with Devlin, I think you know he's still someone that could put up a good fight. He did put up quite a good fight against Finn Balor, and um, Finn Balor, you know, he's a former U- United States champion. He's an established WWE superstar. He, you know, him himself is. Classified by most as a very good wrestler, mm-hmm. and a, you know. I, I think he's a very good wrestler. <clears throat> oh my god! And Devlin just gets tossed across the ring. So with a butterfly suplex, and double underhook, sent all the way to the floor. I think he uh, his own momentum set him out there just so he could try and get a break, but that's not going to work because Volta is out and he's uh, stalking Devlin as he's trying to negotiate his way out there on the mats. Oh, looking to drop Devlin back first onto the mat. Devlin landing feet first, but Walter catching him. Throwing him into the ring, tying his leg up in the ring ropes. That was a little bit of a botch there, but Walter's going to recover. He's being complete control of Devlin right now. As Walter was stepping in between the second uh, and top rope, Devlin kicked the middle rope straight into the knackers of Walter. And then just whips a leg into it as well. Seeing Devlin being uh, the heel against... What would you say Walter is? Is he a face? Is he a heel? Is he established? I think he's a face, judging by his reaction. I know he went against Dunn, but that was a lot of respect there, wasn't it? You know, so That was kind of Pete Dunn calling out Walter, saying, look, you know, I've identified you as the biggest threat to my title. I want a match against you. But I think that's the beauty of Pete Dunn as well. You couldn't really define what he was either. Yeah. So I think with those two just wanting to be number one, I think it tells a good story. Whereas Devlin kind of be like a heely heel recently, hasn't he? You know, so I think with Volta, 
But Devlin needs to try and find a way back into this match. And I think working the leg, trying to keep the big man down is the best way for him. And the UK champion is busted open. He's bleeding from the mouth. That could well be internal bleeding, James. I think it is. Or it might be caused by the uh, half-boston crab that Devlin's got in right now. We all know what damage that can do to you inside. Forcing the blood from his ankle and his knee all the way to his mouth. Mm. Well, Walter gets to the bottom rope. I don't think he was going to submit. Uh, I mean, Devlin must have been on that hole for at least two minutes. At least four minutes. But again, it's wearing a big man down. It's uh, kind of bringing him down to... Jordan Devlin's size is giving him a bit of cockiness and uh, you know some wrestlers when they get cocky they they kind of start you know doing things that they wouldn't normally do and that's you know that could be when they're at the most dangerous oh and Devlin <clears throat> trying to high risk move Walter saw it coming his knee and I tell you what referee's checking closely well the blood is pouring out the mouth of Walter and the leg's in trouble as well. We might see referee stoppage. That would be incredible for Devlin to walk away as champion. Catching the leg oh! of Devlin. Hitting that huge chop. <laughs> and you can see the look on Jordan's face as Volta's kind of fired himself up. He gets energy from delivering them chops. Oh, slap to the face. Volta looking for the German suplex, but Devlin managing to escape it with a couple of kicks to the knee. High back body drop. Walter comes charging in, but Devlin sidesteps, kicks the back of the knee from Walter. Springing off the second rope, getting caught. Laying him up over the top rope, chopping him. Hitting that German release. No, Devlin managing to kick out. Oh. No, I think Walter now has learned something about Devlin and his toughness. And credit to him, he's been hit by a chop and he's still breathing at this moment in time. But he's gone to the outside. We cannot confirm nor deny that he may or may not have had a broken rib or just caved in. <laughs> I tell you what, Devlin's so... Oh! So hard with a chop, it made water bleed inside. <laughs> and now Walter's got Devlin. Dropping him back first on the hardest part of the ring. And here he comes, powerbomb time. Oh. set flip, rolls up Walter. Oh. Very nearly getting a cheeky victory there but only a two count two I tell you something the NXT UK might be delivering the best wrestling at the moment there's an argument for it we'll have to have a mass debate the next takeover James you know there's nothing more I love to do than masturbate with you and now look at these two men on each other's shoulders and have an argument about wrestling hey what would a chop to the front kick to the back well, he chopped his heart to the back of his body and he just kicked <laughs> it back to the front. Fans chanting one more time. But Devlin staying on his feet and delivering some kicks of his own. Devlin using his massive head! His <laughs> massive midget-sized head. Uh-oh. Pulls Walter to his feet. Oh, my giddy arm. Folds him up with a snap suplex. But somehow, Devlin gets his shoulder up at two. Two. Oh, he now might be looking to go up. It's what finished Pete Dunoff. Oh. Walter going up to the top. Devlin delivering a kick to the head. Walter with a clubbing blow trying to fight out. But Devlin giving as good as he's getting at the moment. And Devlin suplexes. Walter off the top. And trying to go for third time. But no, can't put Walter away. Imagine a kick out. Ah. 
Well, Devlin, That's a very weird variation of a suplex there. Well, Devlin giving everything he can to become NXT UK champion. And he's going to go for it again. Devlin looking to pull him in for another suplex. But Volta grabs him in, slaps him, delivers a powerbomb. Two, three. And that froggy style pin as well with like his legs in the air, all his weight. Folding Devlin up for the pin and the victory and retaining his title. And what an excellent match that was. That was very good, yeah. It was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, it told a great story. We talked about how Devlin would look like a threat in this match, and I think it paid off even almost unconscious now. Twitching in the middle of the ring. He gave his best in this one, and like I said, it all began with a kick to that second rope and then working that leg over. It was effective effective offence by Devlin, wasn't it? You know. So do you think Devlin is a legitimate threat? Well, was a legitimate threat. For the NXT UK Championship now, because, think, yeah. you know, we, we had doubts going into this match. It's like, well, you know, how are you going to compare to Volta if he only just managed to beat Pete Dunne? I think Wolves has showed a little bit more vulnerability than maybe we were expecting, but I think it's good because then it shows that it can be enjoyable matches as well. And that's twice that Devlin's done it. He had great matches against Dunne and Volta, and I think credit to him, and I think credit to Walter. And it's interesting times what happens with the NXT UK Championship. And wait a minute. Dunn's music hits. Well, the Bruiserweight, a man who held the title for 700 days. Plus. is now looking at the shoulder of another man. And what a match it was at TakeOver New York. Indeed, yes. Is Dunn going to get in? Well, he's not going to back down. I want my title back. He's, what did he scream, Dan? Give me my <laughs> rematch. And Walter shakes the head. Da. I will give you a rematch. Well, we are going to get Pete Dunne versus Walter 2. 2. At some point down the line. But what a great way to start NXT UK. We'll move on to our next episode. Episode 42, May 8th. With Amir Jordan injured, Kenny Williams called on fellow Scotsman Noam Dar to challenge NXT UK Tag Team Champions Zach Gibson and James Drake in Glasgow, Scotland. Plus, in the wake of the monumental announcement of a fatal four-way match to determine the future number one contender to the UK Championship, Gallus's Joe Coffey battled Morgan Webster Flash in a qualifying match and so much more. Well, our first match was Moustache Mountain defeating The Hunt. In the opening contest, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven tried their luck against the primitive tandem of Wild Boar and Primate. In the final moments of the half-foot contest, the big strong boys indeed proved themselves to be the kings of the jungle when they utilised their springboard clothesline into the dragon suplex to tame the wild beasts. Yes, well, as we mentioned, uh, Joe Coffey defeated Webster Morgan Flash in a fatal four-way qualifying match. And following the assistant to the general manager, Sis Scala, of an imminent fatal four-way match to determine a future number one contender to the WWE UK title. Hometown hero Joe Coffey clearly possessed the crowd's support in his qualifying match against Morgan Webster Flash. Well, in the final moments, the Iron Kings lifted his knees in time to count on the Modfather's shadows of malice attempt off the top rope and followed up with all the best for the Bells for the victory, securing his place in the fatal four-way match in four weeks. The match, Coffey was joined by his Gallus mates, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang, as they address the NXT UK universe, stating that a fatal four-way match will belong to the outspoken faction. In addition, Wolfgang made it clear his focus is firmly set 
on Bomber Dave Mastiff for their own fatal four-way qualifier next week. Our next match is Nina Samuels versus Casey Owens. And deflecting Casey Owens' spirited offence, Nina Samuels once again reigns supreme with another impressive victory. Lifting her opponent onto her shoulders and dropping her full force into the net breaker, then Nina Garushi. As the dust settled on the contest, Samuels turned her attention to NXT UK women's champion Tony Storm, claiming that the rock and roll title holder abandoned her struggling single mother and sister to follow her own dream. She also made it clear that she would soon be the new NXT UK women's champion. And our main event is the NXT UK tag team titles on the line. It's Grizzled Young Vets versus Kenny Williams and Noam Dar. So Noam Dar takes the place of Amir Jordan and Pinky Powers in the house. The Scottish Supernova is here to team up with Kenny Williams and he's going to go against Zach Gibson and James Drake. And here we go, we've started already. <clears throat> Dar and Williams clear the ring of the Grizzled Young Vets, the tag team champions. They weren't expecting this here in Glasgow. Glasgow, Scotland. Well, they're ready for the tag team titles on the line. I don't understand what the crowd are saying. And here we go, both teams just fighting over themselves. Our second NXT UK and our second championship on the line. All four men fighting on the outside now. So who's your money on then, uh, hometown heroes? Yeah, I've got to go for uh, Williams and Dar in this one as they're working over the tag champs on the outside. That could be an absolutely huge Scottish faction, couldn't they? No, Amdar's in there with Zach Gibson. Forearms him right back into the corner. Here comes Dar running in. Huge forearm. Not lovely, Northern Lights. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh. Only a two count. Two. What's the win this? I think it's better to be early. You don't want the tag champs getting any momentum at all. As you see, Williams chasing off Drake there. And it's finally going to break into a tag team match now. But Gibson grabs a side headlock and Drake gets a blind tag. And Drake uh, brilliantly running through. Low drop kick right onto the ankle of Dar. Of course, he suffered the injury in the match. Andrews, Gibson down. And Drake uses him to spring off and take off Williams on the apron. And now it's the Grizzled Jung Vets in control there. Great tag team wrestling. I'll be impressed with these two men as well. Well, they're showing why they are the tag team champions. Because let's not forget they beat Mustache Mountain and NXT take over Blackpool. Now trying to take control of Noam Dar. And now Gibson, a huge shot to Dar. And just like that, tag team champions in control. And now Drake just working over Dar. Williams looking on at the moment. Because they've never really teamed before either. So it's a disadvantage. But they are the hometown crowd. So, you know, that does... And now Drake backing Dar up to the corner, going to come running in. No, Dar lifting him over the top rope. But Gibson throwing him back in before Dar could get the tag. And Dar, a huge back elbow there, knocking James Drake down. Can he finally get across to Williams to get that much-needed tag? He's hyping up on the outside. And let's not forget, he's fresh as a daisy. As Dar was mere millimetres away from the tag... Zach Gibson comes around and pulls the leg off of him. And now Williams is going to go chase down Gibson. As ref- James Drake drags Dar back to the opposite corner. And the referee's got his eyes on Kenny. Now Drake's got the front face lock. But like you said, Dan, the crowd definitely get behind Dar and Williams. And a kick by Dar taking Drake out. Tags in Williams. He leaps the rope, goes straight through uh, Drake. Pushes Gibson off the apron. Now another takedown, and he's on fire, baby. 
That was written reverse by Drake. Gibbs uh, Williams with a jump over, flying springboard crossbody. He's just wailing away at the head. Now he's got the crowd behind him running into the corner. Huge forearm shot comes running out. Looking for the Bulldog. Pushed off of it, but Bulldog's him head first into the top turnbuckle. Gibson looking to attack. Williams takes him out. Turns attention back to James Drake. Did James Drake ever get his match against Jordan Devlin? And here comes Williams. Oh, my God. Taking out Gibson. But holding on to that top rope. Skinning the cat, but James Drake there to catch him. He's got nowhere to go. Spins him round. Oh, Williams turns it into a lovely tornado DDT. Two. Oh. No. Drake managing to kick out. Oh. Move after move after move since his hot tag in. Well, Dar's out on, the, on his feet at the moment. And now Williams picking up Drake. Managed to fight off in Gibson. Being a veteran, he is pulling Drake to the outside. But not out of harm's way, though, I don't think. Oh, my God, you don't see that every day. Wing, uh, Kenny Williams there with kind of like a blind leap of faith, jumping backwards into the tag team champions, taking them both out, throwing Jake back into the ring. James Drake back into the ring. Off the top now, Kenny. <laughs> Lovely spinning back elbow for the cover. Two. Oh. No, only a two count. Two. No, I'm Dahl's back on his feet. Ready to get another tag back in. Now, Williams has been brilliant since coming in. And I don't think Dar's fully recovered, but might need to utilise him as Gibson's back on the apron now. And Drake with a bat break he gets a separation. Dar gets a tag from Williams and Gibson's in as well. But it's Dar's making a difference with the shots. Oh. Uh, until uh, Gibson goes down low to the midsection. But Dar sidesteps a kick to the head, hangs Gibson up in the rope, kicks his standing leg out from underneath him. Dar with a front face lock, picks the leg, got the knee bar locked in. And Gibson in all sorts of trouble. They might have to tap out here. Oh! No, tags in James Drake, who's just no arm Dar's head. Well, that's vicious there by Grizzled Young Vets. Gibson shouting to Drake to get him up. Well, Williams dragging Gibson out. Dodges a clothesline. <laughs> Jumping back elbow. Drake had Dar up for the uh, tombstone, it looked like. But Dar sliding down the body of Drake. Gets that knee bar locked in for him now. And Drake in the ring. We're seconds away from new tag team champions. Williams has got a hold of Gibson. He's got the ankle lock locked in. <laughs> Gibson rolls through. Throws Williams into the two to break it up. And both men submission. Look at the crowd getting to their feet. He's got in with a grapevine. Gibson's got nowhere to go at the moment. And Gibson at Dar trying to break the submission. And Williams and Dar <laughs> just striking. James Drake's not giving any out. Well, Williams lets go just to move around. Cinches it in just as deep as it was before. Gibson turns it around. Kicked Williams into Dar to break the hold. Now all four... And I'm still not sure which way it's going to go. Dar and Williams back to the feet, but Gibson pushes Williams down. Boot from Dar to Gibson, but James Drake with a step up in Zaguri. And now again, all four men are down. And again, what another incredible match by NXT UK to put on for us. Absolutely blinding, yeah. 
And now Drake going to go suplex, but Dale rolls him up. Two. Oh, no. Drake managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Oh, Drake's got the knee of Noam Dar. Turn it down. He's got a half. Boston cinched in deep. Well, that's the leg. He suffered the injury. And he's struggling to get to that right. But here comes Williams in. So stop Noam Dar from tapping out. Oh, but Gibson stops him. Williams with a back elbow. And a huge kick to Drake's face. Well, it breaks his submission. And now Williams, big plain cheerleader. Trying to get Dar to take him in. Gibson gets a tag from Drake. Here comes Williams. Now both men just trading now. Looks like Gibson's got the advantage. No. Lunatic Lariat from Williams. Well, here comes Williams. But oh, step up in Zaguri there by Gibson. Noam Dar pushes Williams out of the way for the code breaker off the second. Takes a move. Wheelbarrow through for Williams. Plants Gibson face first into the so, mat. Oh. oh. But Zach managing to kick out. Uh. You see that though, when Williams popped up, he'd done like the salute <laughs> and then went under NXT chant throughout the crowd. Again, another absolute humdinger of a match. And maybe talents that, you know, talk about Gibson and Drake, we like them and Dar. Again, Kenny Williams stepping up to the plate here and definitely delivering tonight. And Gibson may be out on his feet here. Williams got hold of him. Here comes Dar. Gets his legs sweet by James Drake. And his left knee wrapped around the ring post. I think that's put Dar out for the remainder of the match. No injury and all. And now Gibson with a thumbs up. But it might be thumbs down for Williams. And Williams saying bring it on. He doesn't care. Drake up in the apron. Knocked off. Forearm shot by Williams. But I think Drake got the blind tag. Running drop kick from James Drake. As Gibson hoists him up. For the suplex. Oh my god. 450 by Drake. Two, three. And still your tag team champions. Good old young vets. But Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Absolute fucking humdinger of a match. All four guys again putting it all out there and, you know, delivering. And it just goes to show, like, you know, with Raw and SmackDown, you get the same wrestlers coming out week in, week out, all the time. And here's four wrestlers that the spotlight isn't normally on. But once they're put into the main event, they absolutely fucking shone brighter <laughs> yeah. than anyone else I've ever yeah. seen. Um, it's been a great couple of NXT UKs, isn't it? You know, and We've seen it there. The story told with uh, Williams, who I'm a you know, big fan of, uh, especially seeing him in action with Dar. And of course, Grizzled Young Vets as well. We talked about the tag team division. And this kind of match worked perfectly in the crowd. Really played into it as well. It was so hot as well, I think, which worked out. Absolutely, yeah. All right, we move on to our last episode of NXT UK. It's episode 43, May 15th. And we start off with Piper Niven versus Jamie Hater. Jamie Hater. Are you a hater of Jamie? Yeah, I am. So we saw Piper Niven in a war with Rena Gonzalez just a couple episodes ago. And the hottest thing in NXT UK is in action now against Jamie Hater. Oh, my days. Look how tiny Jamie Hayter looks. And look how fucking squash you're going to be after this. Back in front of the Scottish crowd as well. You know, another hometown hero, Piper Niven. And she just slots in that hole perfectly, doesn't she, Dan? You know, when it's the UK, she feels like she's been there all along. You know, and again, another great addition. And we'll see what Jamie Hayter can do in this match against Niven. Like I said, back at home. 
And you can hear the crowd's adulation for her. Collar and elbow tie up. And Jamie grabs the arm. Trying to start strong against Piper and Evan. Well, that's one way to try it. And Piper grabs hold of the arm. It's not allowing her to gonna get the submission in. And turns it around. It's got the got the head trying to get the sleeper in. But hate grabbing the hair, and that's not legal, ref. Come on. Oh, well, Hater just slapped Niven. And there's a couple of things you don't do. You wind, you don't tug on Superman's cape, and you don't slap Piper Niven round the face. Headbutt, diving cross body, and Niven looking to put things away. Here she comes. Cannonball. Niven gets rid of the ring, picks her up. Piper driver. Goes for the cover. Good <laughs> Jamie. There you go. Piper Niven showing she is the most dominant woman in NXT UK and possibly in WWE now. I can't believe Jamie Hayter would make this mistake of slapping Piper Niven. Right, move on. The next match is Jordan Devlin versus Liguero in a fatal four-way qualifying match. In a truly high-stakes back-and-forth showdown, Liguero fought for a rib injury to stay neck and neck with Jordan Devlin. Final match up, uh, moments of the matchup, the Irish ace dragged his master opponent off the ropes into a thunderous backdrop driver for the win. Well, the victory earned Devlin the second slot in the imminent fatal four-way to summon the number one contender to the WWE United Kingdom Championship. And up next, it is Aya Dragunov making his debut against Jack Stars. And we've seen Jack Stars before getting his chest caved in by Volta. We'll see if Aya Dragunov can do it. So we're going to see what happens with the newest addition to NXT UK. So, Dan, have you ever seen Aya Dragunov before? No. No. What are your first impressions as he comes out conducting an orchestra, looks like? He doesn't look like I'd have expected him to look like, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You expect a more um, Vladimir Kozlov or something like A more Vladimir Kozlov cross uh, Volta. Uh, Him, he just looks really fucking weird. Well. Like he'd eat your cat. <laughs> he's the same build, you would maybe say, of a Jordan Devlin, maybe a little bit bigger than that. He's, he's quite ripped, to be fair to him. Well, we're going to see what he has in his debut match against Jack Stars. Jack Stars looks like he's just done a line of crystal meth. <laughs> well, he's going to have to fight now, Dragunov. See what's better for him. Irish rip. Now back elbow and kicks and a forearm. And Stars in a bit of trouble right now. Dragunov with a clubbing shot to the back. He seems to be enjoying this. Because running in, but Stars with a boot up. And Dragunov seems to like that. And he might like a fight as he kicks Stars down. And a huge clubbing blow across the back of Stars. And Stars to put to end things. Comes running in with a Dragunov. clothesline. Yeah. He might be looking to end things here. Comes running in with a big clothesline. Takes him out. Back out again. Another running clothesline. He's kind of got this weird gurn on his face as well. As he looks to put away Stars. Stars starts stepping in, throwing him to the outside. The Dragunov rolling backwards back into the ring, hitting a huge clothesline. And he's waiting for Stars to get to his feet. Oh! 
The Stars catch him with a drop kick as Dragunov is making his way in. Looks like Stars is trying for that gainer hold, but Dragunov blocking it. <laughs> He's saying, no, that's it. Chopped to the chest. Standing sent on. If I was Jack Stars, I wouldn't want to get back to my feet. Well, it hits the Torpedo Moscow, which is kind of running, running a uppercut. Yeah. uppercut up a what? And gets the job done. Dragunov here. I'm in shock. I don't think I've seen a man like this in a long time. Dan, what are your thoughts? I just really, really have no idea what the fuck he is. Honestly, I, I'm, I just don't get his whole concept. Well, is he going to be forced to be reckoned with in NXT UK, the likes of which we've seen with Volta and co? I just don't know. Don't it, get me wrong, he is really different to anything I've ever seen. But I'm still trying to decipher if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, he looks crazy. But he's here, and he's opened up his account in NXT UK. And we move on. Well, next we get Zia Brookside versus Killer Kelly, but that ended in a no contest. Yeah, in the middle of a spirited contest between Zia Brookside and Killer Kelly, Ginny suddenly interrupted and ushered in the imposing Jazzy Gabert. Though it looked as if the two opponents might band together for a moment to take on the awesome presence, Kelly opted out at the last second and left Brookside to be driven face-first into the canvas. Clearly, the fashionista's aspirations to run NXT UK just got a much stronger. <laughs> just got a much stronger. And the bomber Dave Mastiff defeated Wolfgang in a fatal four-way qualifying match. Gallus' Wolfgang brought the full force of his game against Dave Mastiff hoisting his massive adversary onto his shoulders and slamming him down like a sack of potatoes. When Wolfgang missed the howling senton off the top rope, however, the bomber roared back and finished him off with an earth-shattering cannonball to capture the third slot in the fatal four-way to crown the number one contender to the WWE UK Kingdom title. Yeah, but the action was far from over, though, as the Coffee Brothers quickly stormed in the ring and joined together with a rejuvenated Wolfgang to unleash a devastating post-match assault on Mastiff. So that's a this month. Dan, what are your thoughts? The wrestling has been absolutely fucking brilliant. You know, the stories told, even the Jordan Devlin match as well, you know, someone who we've not been that struck on, he still managed to pull out a great match and impress us. Yeah, I think without a doubt, NXT UK keeps improving every week uh, and, and every month that we watch it as well. And it's just getting better and better. But it's now time for the crown jewel of the WNR podcast, and that is what everyone looks forward to every single month. And Dan, when does NXT update start? Now! So it is NXT episode 504 and it's the 1st of May. We're reminded tonight that it's Kushida's debut and then we rock. Then Mauro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Watson slash Jackson 
welcome us to Full Sail. And we're starting with Trio's action. Yes, yeah, the Forgotten Sons versus Umberto Carrillo, Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan. And we start off already in Steve Cutler in there with Oni Lorcan. And, and these uh, six men have had a bit of history these past few weeks, haven't they, you know? They have indeed, yes. Uh, the Forgotten Sons, um, they defeat one and two in singles action. As, and also in the uh, Dusty Tag Classic as well, knocking them out. And what I think is a little bit of a shock, and even though we've seen Humberto Carrillo featured on 205 Live, and only Lorcan for that matter, they're here in NXT at the moment, and I hope they don't split up Lorcan and Birch. And Lorcan started off on fire here. Has Lorcan grown his beard back for NXT, or was this before? I think this is before his forehand. Now Birch Carrillo knocking... The big man off the apron. Oh, and Lorcan launching himself over the top rope, <laughs> taking out all three members of the Forgotten Sons. This is a Lorcan that we we all know and love. And we recognise. Yeah. <laughs> and he throws Cutler back in, tags in Danny Birch. You're Danny Birch. Go on, Birch, hey. Birch, you boy. Shot to the midsection, tagging in Carrillo. Oh, you've got to be careful. He's flippy flop. The boing flip backflip. Boing flip backflip. And there's a lovely moonsault there. But Cutler going in Blake's arms and it's the, the faces who are in the lead in the early going. And the Forgotten Sons have been featured quite a lot in NXT recent times as well. All the way to the final of Dusty Classic and picking up a few victories on the way. I mean, are they the future of the NXT tag team division, Dan? Um, most potentially, yes. You know, they've uh, they've been dispatching. They made it all the way to the finals of the Dusty Rhodes tag team classic, baby. And they've been featured heavily as well, and of course with uh, Jackson Riker in the corner, who's just got the blind tag in and just busted up Carrillo with that spine. And now working with a uh, brain down the big right hand. And Riker has been very impressive in singles action, dominating most that he's seen. You wonder who's going to be the star of the Forgotten Sons, but it's the right place to be at the moment. And now it's Riker just choking Carrillo on that bottom rope. Blake gets a tag in. Cutler gets a tag in. Now here goes Blake. That is great tag teaming. Blake, he's a legal guy, goes for the cover for Carrillo. But Carrillo gets up at two. And now Blake's just taking Carrillo down with that sleeper. It's good to see Cutler in some sort of action as well. I don't mind the Forgotten Sons. You know, we, we introduced them, we weren't really used much, and now we've seen recently. And uh, not a bad tag team. And that's one thing NXT, I think, lacks at the moment. Uh, tag teams and you know three man groups. We've seen it with Sanity or you know other, other teams like this. I think in NXT is a good place for him at the moment. Reich has definitely got the kind of look about him, and they're developing him with that. And I I think Birch and Lorcan are, are serious contenders for the NXT tag team division, even though they might not be looked at that way. I think they could definitely be in that position in NXT or NXT UK. Most certainly, yeah. And it's still Reich beating up Carrillo. Carrillo with the escape, backflip, and nearly getting a cheeky roll-up victory, but only a two. Two. Riker's back on the assault, looking for that headbutt, but uh, Carrillo moving out of the way, desperate to get a tag to either Lorcan or Birch. But Riker manages to tag in Cutler before the Cutler dispatches of both one and two. No, Birch dodged it, and then Carrillo managed to get the tag. Birch going up against just the whole Forgotten Sons. Lovely dropkick by Birch. And now he's got Blake in there. I'll tell you what helps with Blake and Cutler. What helps with Blake and Cutler, they've got their names and their tights. I'm just saying to wrestlers, if you are going to do it, if you're coming into WWE, it does help a lot. Especially if you look if you, similar. If you're very similar, yeah. Long hair and a beard. <laughs> put your name on your trunks. 
And Birch now step up to Seguri on that second rope. And a nip up from Danny, up from Danny Birch. Gets him down looking for that cross face. Well, that's a killer submission as he's got it right in the middle of the ring. But Riker in from behind to break it up. Now look at the right hands by Riker. Referee's got to get control of this. And better crowd jumping up to the top. Drop kick from behind of Riker, knocking him down and out. And Blake Colt got to the face as well. Only Lorcan in. Eliminates him from the Royal Rumble. Well, he got him out eventually, didn't he? (laughs) And now Carrillo looking to fly. Here he comes. Riker pushing his taking partner out of harm's way. Sending Carrillo into only Lorcan. And now it's Danny Birch being surrounded by all three members of the Forgotten Sons. Well, the one thing about Danny Birch is he will not back down. Come on, Birch. Fuck him up. <laughs> oh, and he fights them all off. <laughs> Go on, Birch. Go on, Birch. He headbutts. Oh. Oh. Well, the numbers get to him. As Humberto Carrero just sits there and watches on. Oh, he's trying to get up. And here he comes. He's going to springboard his way in. Oh. Looking to take down Riker, who hits him with a double axe handle, smash to the chest, and sends him back out of this match. Blake comes in, power bombs Birch into the corner where uh, Cutler's knees are. And again, Riker does the same to Carrillo. And oh my god, these forgotten these sons are going to destroy him. Riker's double foot stomps. And Danny Birch eats the pin. Wow, Blake gets the victory. And that's really impressive for the Forgotten Sons there. Most definitely, yeah. You talk about a huge statement victory, working well as a team, beating these. And I mean, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I know Cutler and Blake you know, aren't your first choice tag team, but with Riker involved, it makes sense and it gives a little bit of story, even though it's a shame Lorcan and Birch lost. But I think maybe with Lorcan and maybe Carrillo, they won't be around NXT much longer will have moved to 205 Live. But again, really good match though, wasn't it? Most definitely, yeah. All uh, six guys, certainly full of talent. All right, so we move on. Well, earlier today, Kathy Kelly catches up with two-thirds of the horsewomen as they enter the building. Shania Baszler has no sympathy for the Sky Pirates. It's buried with Kari Sane. She was frustrated because she's never pinning Io Shirai, but Shirai has pinned her. The women's champ smacks the mic out of Kathy's hand and the stable marches off. Well, Nigel kicks it to an earlier this week at the performance centre clip of Bianca Belair talking trash to me, Yim, during a workout. Yim gets down to, Yim gets down to get in her face while Robin Brookside tries to break it up and Stokely Halfway watches and the ears tee eventually storms off. Yim versus Basler is next week. Well, Dominic Djakovic defeats Monsoor via pinfall with his GTS inter-knee finisher. Yeah, he throws Mansoor to the floor and the North American champ's music hits. A pair of lovely ladies roll Velveteen's Dream's couch onto the stage. He heard Dominic had some words for him, so Dream's prepared some for him. But we need to do that right. So he calls for some music and leads the sing-along promo set to the Star Spangled Banner. It ends with, because I'm the Dream, and this is the Dream's NXT. He then gets rolled out while Dom stares at him. And of course, with uh, Jai... With his injury as well, that was where they're going to go with Velveteen Dream, but obviously they're going to have to change it up now. Yes, we get a recap of last week's main event and the Undisputed Era's latest meltdown. We learn that Matt Riddle faces Adam Cole next week, then it's off to the Era's promo spot. What a dream match. Well, Carlo Riley says, Johnny Gargano is the luckiest man on earth, and Bobby Fish agrees. Roderick Strong says, it's not about last week, it's about next week when Cole goes up against Riddle. Cole agrees and says they're undisputed because they're 
they'll move on so they're not focused on Roddy screwing up last week. Well, Strong takes issue with that and their promo music stops and storms off. Fish sides with Roddy and Cole tries to play it off as a joke. O'Reilly sticks with a former North American champ and says, they'll get through this. Oh my God, so the Undisputed Era being divided. You're devastated, Dan, aren't you? I can tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so very, very devastated. Well, up next is the debut of a man we saw back in January fighting Zack Sabre Jr. And WWE signed him and he's going against, of course, the man who loses to everybody on their debut is Cassius Ono. He's going against Kushida. Here he comes, it's Kushida. And Kushida's here, dressed as one of my favourite superheroes, Marty McFly. Also, he is from the future as Kushida. And he's going to try and send a message here tonight to Cassius Ono. It's great to see him in NXT, and, and how will NXT use him? Dan, what are you reckoning? Are we going to see the next Nakamura or the next Hideo Itami here? I hope that they get buried like Nakamura and Hideo Itami. I hope we see the next guy that actually manages to go from NXT to WWE successfully. Well, no, I'm just talking about adding and in NXT, though. Let's hope Kashi because even Itami in NXT wasn't the success. He should have been, really, should he? So, if they can get behind Kushida, and then we can see maybe a lot of success, because he is really entertaining. If anybody's never seen him before, just wait to see him in action. The fans obviously respect him as well behind him. And Kushida, um, off of the hand of respect for Ono. Oh, and he kicks it away. I'm saying, no, you don't want any respect. Just want to fight him straight up, and a colour elbow type to start. Cassius for the go-behind. Picking up Kushida with ease. And, of course, he's going to have the power. He's a bigger man. Oh, he's a big man. Because he's definitely speed. Trying to work it out. This is a you know, big match for him coming to WWE. Very first time in XT. Lights are on bright. Kushida is uh, full of experience. 12 years. And he's a submission specialist as well. But Cassius Ono, let's not count him out. Even though he's been NXT's biggest loser, he's still an impressive force to be reckoned with in the ring. Without a doubt, you see what he's done in the UK since going over there and beating people like Ashton Smith. And now he's come back to try and send a message. He's the guy you have to get for. He's easy, you know, talk about the base sets and Cassiano is the guy that you have to prove yourself against to get in to NXT if you get the best of him. But we've seen with Kushida, just so technical as well and what he can do. Kushida does actually look like an Asian Michael J. Fox. Well, he is, like I said, he's Martin McFly, man. It's lovely chain wrestling between the two men as well. And Kushida, they're just riding Ono and saying, I've got control of you. Is pissing Cassius Ono off something that you want to do, though? No, not really. We see how tough he is as he grabs him, Kushida by the neck, takes him down. But Kushida managing to avoid that with a headstand and a drop kick. Ono caught out there. Now Kushida with a standard moonsault, but Ono catches him beautifully with a cravat. Kushida rolls through from it, goes into a pin attempt, but only gets a one. One. Ono takes a leg out, goes into Kushida, but he pushes him off. Now a standoff. This is nearly going. Well, I believe Ono's jumped to a knee and off in his hand. We saw Kushida reject it. Uh, Ono rejected it earlier, but now he realises how good Kushida is. Does he earn Cassius's respect? Well, he's going to watch him, but of course he's going to go for the hand. Trying to respect handshake. That's nice. There you go. Oh, but Cassius Ono with a big boot. Does that make Kushida look dumb for falling for that? I don't think so. I think it's American ways, isn't it? He's, he's new to this. I think that's what it's showing. A little bit naivety, but 
He's working as he goes on, like you say, he'll never fall flat ever again. As Ono's just taking Kushida out, big knee to the face. Ono seems to be enjoying himself now. And a big chop by Cassius Ono. I trip by Ono, but Kushida catches himself on the rope, hits double drop kick, then step up in Seguri on the apron, rocking Ono now. See a little bit of blood coming from the nose, but that won't put him off. Springboard's back in. Oh, Tomahawk chopped to the back of the head. <laughs> oh, running kick to the hand. Oh, no. And now he's going to look for the knockout kick. Oh, no, managing to block it. Just Kushida up for the electric chair. Uh, electric chair. Kushida's trying to fight out, but he gets planted face first into the mat. One, two. Oh. oh. Well, just managing to kick out. Uh. But we saw the nose had damage. Definitely targeting it. Because you busted nose, you can't see properly as well. I know, telling Kushida he doesn't belong here. Kushida ducking under Cassius Ono's uh, huge punch, planting him face first into the second turnbuckle. Springboard back in. Hurricane Rana into a cover. Two. No, Cassius Ono with a kick out. Ah. And now Kushida's definitely checking the midsection. He's having trouble breathing at the moment, but he's picking up Ono with a forearm. Huge right hands for Kushida. Well, the kick got caught, but the slap didn't, and Ono down to a knee. And now he's shaking <laughs> Cassius's hand. And he wants a bit of respect, but Ono reversing the Irish whip. Handspring back elbow, but he bounces straight into Cassius's elbow. Two. two. Oh! Well, Only I a two count. Two. I thought Kushida was out. The fans definitely get behind Kushida, and he's having to use the ropes to get to his feet. Looks like Ono's going to finish things maybe now. Going to go with a kick right into Kushida's face. And I think the only thing holding up Kushida are the ropes. And now it's time to end it. Maybe rolling elbow. <laughs> oh, Kushida with a huge right hand. Hurting his own. Oh, my God. Kushida there with a kick. Just exploding into Ono. Here comes Kushida round. And he's going to go for it. Hoverboard lock. And he's got it in. Cassius Ono tapping out. Well, Ono hadn't got a And Kushida, little ball of dynamite, just exploded onto NXT there. What a great match that was. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, very good. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Cassius Ono being used as cannon fodder to everyone that comes through. It's, you know, it is kind of harming his reputation. Yeah, I know he's been around for a long while. And yeah, you know, he is probably just signed up to a loser's developmental brand but I would like to see Cassie Sano win and maybe even win a title as well at some point you know you know that's never going to be on his uh, radar but as for Kushida certainly you know I, I do look forward to seeing what the future holds for him I know you kind of compared him to a Nakamura or you know to someone like that you know Hideo Itami but I, I think he's completely different to the pair of them you know he's uh he certainly is his own character, and I do look forward to seeing where this one goes. Yeah, I hope a lot of success for Kushida in NXT. We can see, uh, you know, what they've done before, and it makes perfect sense, and a great debut for him on NXT now. So we move on to our next episode, it's 5.05, and it's May 8th. Well, Mario Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Watson slash Jackson welcome us to Full Sail, and we're starting with women's action. Our first match, Bianca Belair defeated Mia Yim via pinfall. 
The ladies soaking the duelling chance before locking up. Gripping standoff, then each wrestler tries for a drop kick. They both recognise each other, offers a hand. She gets a kick in the gut from Belair. Well, the EST goes for another splash off some rest holes, but Yim gets the knees up. Kick, shotgun, drop kick, rolling cannibal, and a tarantula. She fights off a sunset flip and reverses the cradle after two. Two. Grabbing the ropes to pick up the win. We see shocking footage of Viking Raiders leaving the performance centre when Jackson Riker blocks their exit in a pickup. His forgotten son's teammates, Cutter and Blake, attack from behind, and we see a three-on-one beatdown before we'll be on next week to address their situation. After commercial, more intense footage from the performance centre of Arena Shafir and Jasmine Duke during a Shania Basler coach sparring session. Io Shai races in and attacks the champ. After a bit of rule, some of Babyface puts the genius out of the sky the ring while coaches hold the three out of the four horsewomen back. Raul Mendoza defeats Riddick Moss via pinfall after a slingshot corkscrew splash. Well, Moss has had a haircut and is working a fitness guru gimmick. Ronaldo tells us Tino Samatelli's old running buddy is back from injury sooner than expected, thanks to his Riddick regimen. Well, Mendoza isn't intimidated by Moss's shtick and runs Lucha Libre circles around getting a two count two. off a running shooting star press. Riddick catches him off a springboard move, however, and curls Raul before hitting a fallaway slam. He shows off with some push-ups, then splits Mendoza in half with a shoulder block, press slam for two, two. and Moss chastises referee Jessica Carr that she needs to learn to count like the regimen counts. He gets his water bottle for a drink and tries to force the luchador to have some. That allows Raul back into the match. Another flurry ends with a step up in Seguri, then David pins Goliath. Oh my god, so a new look and a new loss for him. That was a great bit of work for her. After a recap of his win over Cassie Sona last week, we learned Kushida will be back in NXT next week. And James, I'm sure NXT absolutely hates us <laughs> because they are giving us the matchup of Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. So, uh. um,. James, who are you going to be backing? I will be backing Adam Cole. Dan, who are you going to be backing? Matt Riddle. Yeah, so here we go. Rick Riddle's already out here. We've already seen bro, bro, bro. Now it's time for baby. Now it's time for Adam Cole. But he's got to think in the back of his mind. What's been going on with the undisputed era? There's trouble ahead. One of these men is a, one of these men is a future NXT champion. And the other is Adam Cole. Hey. Oh, my God. So this is the future of NXT then? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, God. Oh, look, Matt Riddle can jump high. Well done. So, Matt Riddle's only loss came against the Velveteen Dream. And uh, Adam Cole's only victory came in that one fall he had in New York. So, it's weird because I guess Adam Cole is still the number one contender. But Matt Riddle might want to look at the situation. Situation. And Cole's a little bit cagey start. He's had problems within his own undisputed era. I hate the fact Matt Riddle does not wear any boots. He's just asking for trouble. I hope Adam Cole makes him pay with that later on. And Riddle's got hold, not letting go. I don't think Adam Cole's going to have a chance. Trying to look in the bro mission. That's a cool name for a submission. Ugh. Well, Cole going to the outside. Can't stick the... Uh, can't get a submission on the outside. He can't win the match either. No. Huge bro chant going throughout the crowd. Of you full sure sale. it's not Cole? Cole. Cole. I think I can hear them. Well, Cole back in and back elbow. Yeah, teach that in the UFC, will you? Adam they Cole. actually do. Adam Cole <laughs> grabbing the side headlock. Yeah, get out of this one, son. Oh, he rolls through. He's got a back mount. Spins round. 
Hammerlock, very impressive there, and he's got a side headlock of his own. Yep, he got out of that one. Gone on Adam Cole, get out of that one then. And Adam Cole taps out. <laughs> Would you believe it? To a side headlock. <laughs> Come on, we need Unspute there out here. United to take out Matt Riddell. Oh, shoulder block takedown. That goes to show who the strongest bro in the ring is. Adam Cole looking for uh, Matt Riddle to jump over him, but he lands a senton on his back. Goes for the cover, but only a two. Two. Just a gut wrench lift. The strength from Riddle. Gut wrench slam. Rolls through. Hits a second. Rolls through. He's going for the tri-vector. Oh. Broplex. I know you're impressed. Matt, Matt Riddle. Bro. Bro, bro. Here comes the bro in. But Cole moves. Hey! Oh. You wanker. And Cole throws him off that second rope. Boom. A pump kick from Adam Cole. That's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like it. Yeah, Adam Cole needs match. He doesn't win anymore. I know Riddle lost last time out, but that doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. And Cole now just working the lower back of Matt Riddle. He's got that head scissors in. Undisputed. Let's go, bro. Sounds a pedo. James loves kids. Well, look at Riddle getting out of that. That's innovative. But Cole cannot be stopped at the moment. Close landing down. Huge chop across the chest from Matt Riddle. Well, that infuriated Adam Cole. Responds with huge forearm shots. Cole bringing Riddle out in the centre of the ring. Neck breaker. Dragon sleeper from Cole to Riddle. What can the bro do to bro-skate from this bro-mission from Brodom Cole? Cole ducking a close-on attempt from Riddle, hitting him with a huge back elbow. The bro for Ree there asking Matt, uh, asking Matt Riddle if he wants to quit. Now Cole's talking trash to Riddle. That's just infuriating the downed Riddle. Well, Riddle fighting back now. A huge combination. He's got Adam Cole rocked. Oh, Adam Cole, step up in security. Riddle, release German suplex. Both men are down now in serious trouble. Slowly getting to the feet, and you can tell the fight is really intensifying. Cole Riddle exchanging shots. Now Riddle's got the better of this. Moving along, going to use the ropes. Dodges the clothesline. Huge kick. Backs Cole up into the corner. Nip up with a running elbow. Hits the second. Exploder suplex. And the fans get behind Riddle. Here he comes with a bro kick. Missed. Bro moonsault. Missed. Broton. Hit. Brony. Hit. Go for the cover, but no. Cole managing to kick out. Ah, bro. Adam Cole still in this without any hope for any help with the undisputed era at the moment. That might be where he's going wrong then. And Riddle's going to try and look to put Cole away. Bro. 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 Well, went for it. Cole went in behind, though. Standing switch by both men. Ducking in Seguri from Riddle. Hits a lovely German with a bridge. But only a two count. Two. Riddle might have hurt his left wrist. Isn't that such a gorgeous anklet that Matt Riddle's wearing? Adam Cole now trying to slowly get to his feet. But I think Matt Riddle sends his blood in the water. Let's go, bro. Let's go. Adam Cole backing Matt Riddle up. Picks him up on his shoulders. Riddle's still fighting it. Elbows to the jaw makes Cole releasing a huge bro slap across the bro chest. About a big kick by Cole. 
Now picking Riddle up. Hushigaroshi goes for the cover, but Riddle managing to kick out. Uh. It's been a war. This has been a war of attrition here and on NXT. And Adam Cole looking to put away Riddle. Trying to power him up for the suplex, but Riddle blocks him with a knee. Oh, a lovely ripcord knee for Riddle. Now picking up Adam Cole. No, Cole turns it into the backstab. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Riddle's face full of shock. Goes for it, but no, Riddle out at two. Two. <laughs> I'm, you're going to say I'm arguing here. That was one of the greatest reversals that I've seen. Fair play, Adam Cole. Riddle may be out. I don't think he knows what he's doing. Cole slow to recover. And now both men on their knees just trading shots. Oh, Riddle with the chops. But Cole fight back with the forearms. Riddle chops. And now grabbing hold of Cole round the neck. And there you go. Cole stomped to the foot. And Cole's got... Cole's smirking. No, James hasn't got a cigarette and he's got a smile on his face. Goes for the kick, but Matt Riddle grabbing the ankle. Turn it into the ankle lock. Cole's got nowhere to go. If you get down the grapevine, it might be over and done. But look at that. Just a twist and a talk on the leg. Cole managing to turn round. But Riddle grabs the other leg. Tension. Cole with the roll up. Well, Riddle up at two and I think just a knockout kick. Two knockout. Cole has just dropped down. Riddle picks him up. That's impressive by Riddle. Floats back up. Down. And are we going to see the trivector again? Three amigos time. No, Cole reverses. Two, no. Riddle with a kick out. Uh, well, Cole can't believe that. Why put Riddle down? And a fight forever chant. Uh, now Riddle with a chops right to Cole. Cole super kick goes up high, but Riddle looks to block, so Cole goes low. Now going up on that second rope. Jumps down, going for that Canadian destroyer, but Riddle blocks it. Now it's got him up. Backslide from Cole, though, but Riddle rolls through, looking for the kick, roll up by Cole. Riddle turns it around, looking for the powerbomb, but Cole escapes it, ducks the kid, kick, kick to the back of the head. Hits the last shot, goes for the cover two. How did Matt Riddle kick out of that? Uh, I've no idea. What an excellent match it's been. Both men (laughs) given everything. He might not be likeable, but he doesn't. And I think that's the first superstar to ever kick out uh-huh. of Adam Cole's finisher. Well, Riddle's in prime position for it again. This time, Cole's exposing the knee, running for it, but no. Riddle grabs the back of the trunk, step up in Seguri from Cole, runs into a knee. Well, Riddle hit the knee, then the GTS. Then the powerbomb. Rolls in through, knee to the jaw. But Cole rolls to the outside quite wisely, even in his disoriented state. Well, I think that is the safest place for him at the moment. And Roderick Strong helping Cole up. And there we go, trying to be nice. And here comes Riddle. Oh, oh but... Well, he looked to kick Cole. I think Cole just passed down. Strong got caught. And now Riddle's going to come back in. Super kick to the jaw. Cole going for the cover. One, two. No, Riddle kicking out. Ah. Straight into the bro mission. 
Well, strong looking on, he can't do anything. And Adam Cole taps out. Well, he didn't get involved. He let Matt Riddle hit the promotion on him. And you can see Kyle O'Reilly questioning that. But Matt Riddle wins in an excellent match. Dan, what are your thoughts? A very, very good match between these two guys. Um, I'm actually less disappointed that these two guys are potentially the future of NXT. I don't know about you. I think it was brilliant. I think we saw it with the the, the match. I think Adam Cole can do no wrong at the moment. We have, we talk about Pete Dunne and others like this, but Cole keeps on performing. That was a near-on perfect match there between these two guys. Even though Little was on the line, they both really, really delivered strong performances. You know, And even the kind of facials and the kind of near-falls that we had really brought something special to it. And like I said, if these two men are fighting for the NXT title in six months' time, then I think you can count me in with that. I think really, really impressive stuff. I like the story as well with Roderick Strong, because usually you know, Adam Cole doesn't get, get beaten that cleanly and instead of getting involved just kind of watched on you see the look from Kyle O'Reilly and where the Undisputed Era are going but does that mean Matt Riddle's number one contender now? I would believe so yeah but um, what's the distinction between Cole and Strong? I mean Strong actually was legitimately trying to help Adam Cole but Cole saying that I could have had this on my own well why did Strong come out if Cole didn't order it that's the question as well when there was problems with the Undisputed Era. A uh, huge heated discussion going on between the Undisputed Era guys. Oh, Cole saying he's just, just wants everybody to calm down. And the fans chanting fight. Well, are we seeing the end of the Undisputed Era? There's definitely problems. Is this the beginning of the end for the we, Undisputed Era? We know most families, you know, they've got problems with each other. Just got to try and sort it out. But again, Adam Cole... You know, he's got to start backing up soon. He said the Undisputed Era would be a dominant force and carry all gold, and yet he keeps on losing. And maybe Roderick Strong's thinking to himself now, like, this is meant to be our leader and he can't pick up any wins. At least Roderick Strong won the World's Collide Battle Royal. I mean, there's more victories than Coles had the past few weeks, to be fair. All right, so we move on to our next episode, episode 506, May 15th. Straight to the headbanging opening theme slash video, then Mauro Ronaldo welcomes us to full sail. Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness revealed that Percy Watson slash Jackson has decided to move on from WWE and introduces us to the new third person in the booth, Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix. Oh, so Beth Phoenix is here and bye-bye Percy Jackson slash Watson. You, you know, it's been, it's been a pleasure. What well, NXT Tag Team Champions, the Viking War Raiders experience, Ronaldo sells us on the name changes. Eric and Ivor being all in one on the Viking experience. They talk raiding Raw and brutalising the tag team division there, but since they still have the tag belts, they call general manager William Regal out. The villain answers their call and makes his way to the ring. They tell the GM that since no one can take the titles from them, they're out here to relinquish them. Eric and Ivor hand the belts, but before Mr. Regal can say anything, the Street Profits music hits. Excited, Montez Ford thinks he's having trouble hearing because he thinks they said no one. But a few weeks ago, the Prophets brought the fight to War Raiders and showed the NXT Universe and the champs that he and Dawkins can beat the champs. Dawkins gets in a joke about the name changes and Eric and Ivor grab the belts back from the GM and tell him to make the match. Regal, Regal does ju- just that for later tonight and the Prophets celebrate the news with full sail. Nigel, at the end of last week's main event, when Roderick Strong's interference did not lead to Adam Cole beating Matt Riddle. We then see the online exclusive video of Cole chewing out Strong 
calling him a little bitch before Roddy throws his undisputed era armband at Adam, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. <gasps> well, Kathy Kelly catches up with the original three members of the era and Cole says he doesn't know where the man who cost him his match last week is. But there's no question of who the leader of Undisputed is. While they're talking, officials run behind them. Well, Strong appears wearing his wife's MMA merch and says he thought about what Cole was saying last week and they are stronger together. He hands him a busted flip-flop and says their Matt Riddle problem is solved. Cole gives him an armband and the era walk off together. Well, Keith Lee defeated Cesar Bononi via pinfall following the spirit bomb. Well, full sale is hot for the limitless one, which aggregates, aggregates, uh, aggravates even. Full sale is hot for the limitless one, which aggravates the Brazilian. They show off their agility in the early going, but after chops from Lee, Benoni kicks his knee and drops him neck first into the middle rope. He takes control, but when a little trash talk of the shoulder block sends Lee to his knees. Keith grabs his arm and hulks up, clothesline pounce, and that is all she wrote. We see the footage of Io Shirai trying to kill Shane Bazzo at the performance centre again. Then we see Kelly outside Mr. Regal's door. She tells us he's booked Shirai versus Basler for the NXT Women's title for TakeOver 24, 25. For TakeOver 25. The Forgotten Sons woke up angry they were forgotten again when the title match was made. They barge into the GM's office and give him a reason to remember them. Next match, because Kushida defeated Kona Reeves via submission with the hoverboard lock. After an early back and forth, Kushida takes control with a pair of arm drags. But here comes Drew Gulak out to the stage. Well, they grapple and Connor ends up on the floor after another kick. He follows with a swan tom and after a kick to the arm, back in the ring, he's able to slap on his version of, of the Kimura for the win. Well, Kushida points at Gulak who just shakes his head and walks off. It's been a busy night for Mr. Eagle. He's dragging Kathy to his office so she can demand a title shot. They run into Mia Yim who is hot because Blair cuts corners to beat her. She doesn't want a match with Basler now because she wants to get even with the EST. Bianca isn't phased and heads into the GM's office but forgets to bring Kelly. We see trainers taping Matt Riddle's ribs. Johnny Gagano is interviewed and says he's not worried about the bro because he can take care of himself. He also doesn't care the era is back on the same page because he knows they're gunning for him and he'll be ready. Next match, Vanessa Vaughan defeated Jesse via pinfall. Jesse, you flaming mongrel! Well, Nymph is out with Bourne and Jesse is Jesse Alabama from the May Young Classic but without the nerd gimmick. They evade each other's acrobatics, but a shoulder tackle and drop toe hold lets Vanessa put the boots on a taller woman. After a headbutt, she connects with the neck breaker slash driver to get a free count. We learn that Under Oath's All My Teeth is a takeover theme and we're reminded about the women's title match and learn that Gagano vs. Cole will re-NXT title at NXT 25. Well, it's the Street Profits versus the Viking slash War slash Fridge Raiders slash Experience. Who are the champions for the NXT Tag Team Championships? And what have you thought of their NXT run as it is coming to an end now, Dan? Do you think it's been successful? Do you think they've been long enough to be known as a success? I don't think they've been down long enough, to be honest. But that is just my opinion. Um, they certainly are steamrolling through the competition. But who's really going to kind of take their place? I know we saw a few good tag teams up recently. But I don't know. I still think a little while longer maybe in the... Uh, in NXT, I think it's probably what's going to be best for the Viking War Experience Raiders. Exactly, but the thing is, if they don't come up and knock tag team champions, then mm. they said you should be used better on NXT. I don't think the Street Profits, even though I quite like them, are future NXT tag team champions. I think everybody that we've seen, I'm not sure if there's enough depth, you know, to, to, to really get going. 
Apart from Lorcan and Birch. <laughs> well, we won't settle for anyone other than Lorcan and Birch <laughs> being NXT Tag Team Champions. No. But, but then, you know, if the Viking War Raiders experience do go up, I mean, are they going to be able to challenge Daniel Bryan and Rowan for the Tag Team titles? I don't think so. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do because, you know, they've already, they've already beaten Rowan Raw, so it'll be interesting to see... You know, if they do just become Raw Tag Team Champions at the next go-around. They wanted to hand the belts to Regal, but no, Street Profits said, we'll take them off you. But at this moment in time, War Raiders have been a dominant Tag Team Champion. And here we go, and we start. And out of this match, I'm just going to say the old names. So Rose in there, he's already taken out Dawkins, now goes after Ford. Tags in Hanson. Now the War Raiders Viking experience... Oh my god, and he picks up Hanson, throws him into Angelo oh. Dawkins. And I was pushing him, and they're both looking at Montez Ford. I'm going to try and get it finished as quickly as possible. Pop up power slam, but Dawkins in. Spears, Hanson, uh, Spears row. Hanson nearly gets rolled up by Ford. And again, nearly gets rolled up, but both times it's two. Two, two. And now Hanson with a big kick to Ford's face, but he gets in Dawkins. Just about, there you go. Hanson's waiting, though, cartwheel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a cartwheel off now between these two big guys. Oh. Spine buster by Montez tags in Ford, who's up top. Oh. Huge height on that frog splash. One. Two. two. Oh. Only a two count for Ford. Two. I mean, he must have been legitimately at least 14 foot in the air. At least 20 foot up in the air. I mean, the height he got on that. And now Dawkins is going to send Ford into Hanson, but he's ready. Gets his feet up, squashes him, rolls under the legs of Dawkins. Tags in Rowe. <laughs> Rowe with a shoulder block. Eric arriver. Taken out. And oh, wait a minute. The Forgotten Sons are coming out here. And Hansen's fighting all three men. And he's been called out. Well, Roe realises and going after the Forgotten Sons. What are the Street Profits going to do? Who are they going to go after? Are they going to help the guys that they were challenging for their titles? I don't think they need any help, <laughs> to be honest. And now... Here we go, yes! Yes! Here come Lorcan the Birch! Yeah, <laughs> boy! Well, this is what we wanted. Lorcan the Birch coming to help. And now we're in the ring. Forgotten Sons, Lorcan the Birch. Street Profits. Oh, Fords and Dawkins being thrown out. Now it's the Forgotten Sons and Birch and Lorcan. Uh-oh, here come the War Raiders again. Just completely wiping out everyone. Well, Hanson and Road just dispatching the Forgotten Sons. <laughs> Flipping off the top, taking out all three members of the Forgotten Sons. Ford's going up top, but he gets caught by Rowe. <laughs> that was a funny reaction. The Dawkins catches him, though. Got him on his shoulders. And he went for the cover. Dawkins made the count. So technically, they have beaten the War Raiders, but it's not for the tag team titles. Street Profits are uh, hightailing it out there now. And the crowd chart for Street Profits. As they scarper out of full sale. Uh-oh, and Birch. Oh, no. Birch is going to pay the price. Oh, my God. They've picked up only Lorkin. Throwing him like <laughs> a javelin to Forgotten Sons. 
There's one man left. And Blake's up. Power slam. Blake Dan. Well, that was destructive. And that was the Viking Raiders. War Machine. War Raiders. Viking Experience. Viking Raiders. Whatever they're called, they are dominating. Without a shadow of doubt. And it's a shame to see him leave like this. Let's see Tag Team Champions. There you go, laying the title belts down. And that is it for the War Raiders. And what an experience. And Dan, what have you thought of NXT this month? Again, you know, we've seen a few surprisingly good matches. Um, I don't think it was quite quality of what NXT UK was, but it was very, very close. Yeah, I think NXT UK won out. And uh, as we build towards TakeOver, we will be live for NXT TakeOver 25, bringing you the pre-show on June the 1st. We will be there for that. And of course, we'll bring you two episodes of NXT leading up to that. Don't forget, our next episode is Money in the Bank. We saw the build-up. We saw the build-up for all SmackDown, didn't we? So now we're actually going to see the show. And let's see. But that is it. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, at WWE Network View, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email at WRPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, the WNR Podcast, and we're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review Podcast. Or you come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Don't forget you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. Podcasts go up on YouTube at the same time as other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Spreaker Radio. We've got a live show, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But hold up, James. Don't forget there's another place you can find all of our contact information, and that is the WNRpodcast.com. And that should be ready about the time of... Uh, SummerSlam is getting closer, James. Have you been working hard? I've been hardly working, but we shall find out. Let's enjoy Money in the Bank first, uh, and we'll see how we get along. I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye.